This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Scrambling to the right side, holding it, pump faking, diving for the far front pylon! Does he have it? Touchdown! Kansas City! Tyreek Hill gets a block, 35-30, jet speed, 25-20, 15, 10, 5, snowshoes! Touchdown! Kansas City! The Cheetah can run in the snow! And Andy Reid's big red revival and Patrick Mahomes' revolution continues! This is Chicago's game. Good play middle, the 25, breaks left, 15-10, Gurley the touchdown! Feels good. Really good? Real, real, real good. Great, actually. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Was there a memo out a couple years ago where play-by-play announcers are supposed to sound exactly the same when the guys score? Because those were two different guys with the Rams announcer and the Chiefs announcer. And they both sounded exactly the same. Well, Fred, if, if I had to guess, I would say they both went to Syracuse. Yeah, they went to the same and, school. And they learned well, yeah. in the same class, and they figured out, all right, we all have to sound exactly the same like robots. Nick Friedel, who now covers the Warriors, <laughs> who also went to Syracuse, he yes. sounds like that went only when doing play-by-play, though. And asking for yeah. a cheeseburger. It's that whole and Syracuse thing. cheeseburger! <laughs> we don't have enough of that. As you can tell, there's no reason for a Bears pregame show. Uh, Fred Hubner, along with it's, it's back to the uh, two millennials and the old men. Uh, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner, uh, with you for the next three hours. We do have football to talk about after a couple of games yesterday. A couple of games where I was hoping for some little more excitement. I think uh, Chris and Adam got a little more excitement at Goose Island yesterday, and we'll talk about that as they were out there for the. And also, if you were out there kicking. And, you know, huh. you were a participant. You want to talk about how badly you did. You can always jump on 312-332-3776. I mean, it, it was, was great for us to be yeah. out there. But as far as the people kicking, I don't know if you want to put your, your name your name to that. Well, I mean, the elements were tough. They it were was, tough. It was snowing. It yeah. was windy. Yeah. Uh, there was a kind of like a field turf An laid out. Mat. Yeah. And yeah. if there was no snow, it would have been fine. Perfect to kick off of. Yeah. But it was iced over because it was snowing so bad. So, I mean, it was slippery. A lot of guys fell. Uh, no one made the kick. Oh yeah. for 100. Yeah. Oh for 101. Our contestant from Waddle and Sylvie missed as well. He, did. He, oh, he made it over the fence, though. They had like a there fence. There you go. Yes. That, that was, was supposed to be like a blocker. Yeah. So if you watch it, uh, the video is on my Twitter at Adam Abdallah. He he looked at it was straight. It yeah. was true. It was a nice but, kick. Uh, he probably only hit it about 30 yards. Yeah. Well, Colin did a good job. It was yeah. nice. Well, that's not bad. But there were some games to talk about yesterday. Again, I, I was hoping both games would have been a little bit better. Uh, you saw two quarterbacks, the winning quarterbacks in the games yesterday through no touchdown passes. Yeah. Um, we talk about the you know the Bears, and we'll get into some Bears stuff uh, in the ten o'clock hour, kind of like wrapping up the season, and obviously talking about Chuck Pagano as the new uh, defensive coordinator and things like that. Um, but yesterday, I was hoping for a little bit better games. Uh, obviously, Chiefs fans or Rams fans are happy because they both advanced. We're two games away from the sixth straight season of um, the Super Bowl being a one and two seed. Um, which I was going to ask you guys and anybody who wants to jump in three one two three three two three seven seven six. Is it 
the bye week that helps these teams advance, or is it, you know, the teams having to play an extra game and then getting worn out because uh, yesterday the Colts, who looked really good last week, looked awful yesterday, and the Cowboys, who looked actually pretty good last week, did not look good at all yesterday. Is it just better competition they were playing or having to play, you know, back-to-back-to-back weeks? Well, Fred, I'll solve your riddle. Uh, The two better teams won yesterday. Okay. Because, like, here, here's what happens. And I know we all consume sports radio throughout the week. We yeah. watch all the talking head shows on ESPN television and First Take and all these different things, right? Um, what happens is teams win on Wild Card Weekend, and then they get talked about because of the victory right. all week. Like they have some magical momentum, right? which doesn't exist when you go against a better team. Mm-hmm. And that's what we saw yesterday. Two of the hottest teams throughout the entire season, the Los Angeles Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs, showed why they were so good and why they had the bye week. They're just the better teams. The late game, Donald and I were talking about this yesterday. Uh, there was no discrepancy larger this weekend in DVOA, overall DVOA, than the night game last right. night. The Cowboys and the Rams. The Rams were second overall in DVOA. The, the, the Dallas Cowboys were 21st. Mm-hmm. That's a big discrepancy. So if we were going through the NFL season, and that was just in week 12, right. and we were getting ready to gamble, we would say, you know who's going to win tonight? It's probably the Rams, and they're probably going to cover. What was but the spread be, in the game? It was seven. seven. It they finished just at seven. So they yeah. covered. And But, like, the point is, throughout the season, we see that stuff we pointed out. But this week, because the Cowboys won in Wild Card Weekend, wow, right. they have all this momentum. Can yeah. they run the ball with Zeke and all this stuff? No, 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 no. The Rams were the better team, and they showed it last night. And if you look at today's games, actually, uh, one of the underdogs may uh, be winning yeah. because the Chargers are by far, according to, if you go by DVOA and all the other advanced metrics, the Chargers are by far, the be- not by far, but they're the better team. Now, the other one by far is New Orleans is by far the sure. better team than Philly. Right. And uh, I was talking about this earlier this week. I don't know which is better for Bears fans. Is it better if the <laughs> Eagles win? Because then you're like, well, we could have probably beat the Saints, or is it better for Bears fans that the the Saints win? And it's like, well, see, that probably would have happened to us too. Well, though you mentioned Bears fans, and Bears fans, a lot of them were expecting to be playing the Rams last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing the Bears did was they were really good at stopping the run throughout the year. I think they were number one against yeah. the run this year. I don't know if they would have been number one against C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley. Uh, the Bears did dominate the Rams and shut down Todd Gurley uh, weeks ago. But, you know, C.J. Anderson wasn't there. And it's amazing that both the Raiders and Carolina cut this guy because all he does is he looks like years and years ago, you guys were youngsters. There was a guy named Norm Bulash. They called him the human bowling ball. Yeah, There's always been there's always been one big guy, the big guy that would run the ball. And that's what he looks like. Was our guy back in the day. Yes, he was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, he was. And uh, Christian Okoye is a guy Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. he was a little bit bigger. But yesterday, the CJ Anderson, 123 yards and two touchdowns. Gurley rushes for 115 and a touchdown. Goff wasn't great. 15 for 28 for 186. Um, and, you know, you look at it, Sean McVay now becomes the youngest coach to ever win a playoff game. Yeah, so, I mean, I can't wait for his video game to come out because he passes up John Madden. That's right. That'll How amazing be is that? The, now it'll, it'll be McVay 2000. Yeah, that'll be or, fantastic. Or McVay 20, right? If you shared an elevator with him, you will be offered a head coaching job. Man, <laughs> I, I'm in the wrong elevators, apparently. Yeah, I know. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but Fred, you know, to, to make your point, you take a look at everything. And uh, I know a lot of the social media conversation during these games in this city last night was, ah, 
the Bears should have been playing in this game. Right. Well, right. well, that that's not how it works. No, I, I, I get a Bears fan who wishes uh, this team were playing this weekend, but listen, you should have won. Yeah, and I know I don't want to rehash what we went through for the last week, right? Uh, with Parky and everything and the missed opportunities, but. There, there's a reason why you didn't play in this weekend. Now you have to go into this offseason. you got to fix some things, mainly the kicker. Yeah. And you have to come correct into next season, kind of like what we saw with the Rams this year. The Rams, for the majority of the season, were one of the two or three best teams in the NFL. Right. And it seems like they were ready for the opportunity this weekend, unlike they were ready for the wild card weekend last year when they lost at home. Right. And they were the hot team last year. So, yeah. like, this is where you, uh, you know, we're watching Sean McVay do all this stuff. And, like, the thing I kept thinking of is everyone in the NFL wants the next Sean McVay. And I think in Chicago, we have something that's pretty close. Mm-hmm. Matt Nagy. Now, can he rally the troops so the momentum doesn't stop when we start next season? Because the Rams, it seemed like it didn't affect them at all that they lost last year in the wild card. They built upon it. Yeah. But this year for the Bears, you don't want to see a Jacksonville-like drop-off right. where all of a sudden you get into next season. Maybe the, the first quarter of the year is kind of tough. Maybe you're you're behind the eight ball in the record, and and things kind of don't hit the same way. But this year with the Rams, it seems like everything clicked from the moment they started this season, which doesn't always happen, right? No, and you want to be able to have a coach that's like Sean McVay. Like I don't know if Matt Nagy would be real willing to run the ball for two hundred and seventy. No, either do I. You know, like I don't know if if whatever happens with Jordan Howard, if they trade him and they they try to uh, draft a running back, whatever they do. But Tariq Cohen is probably going to be a running back moving forward. Jordan Howard, they'll probably try to move him and acquire more draft picks for some I don't know what they're they're going to get for him but you look at these teams you look at the Chiefs you look at the Rams you look at the Saints who are probably going to win today and I think the Chargers are going to win today and you look and you look at the Bears and my question to people is how far do you think the drop-off is where the Bears are like how close are the Bears to these teams are they comparable are they the Bears by all metrics have the best defense right so by that metric they are is it just what is separating the Bears from those teams is it coaching is it the offensive game plan is it the quarterback is it just everything another year of everything coming together and kind of everybody being on the same page so if if you guys want to talk about what what is the one thing that is probably lacking from those teams that, that or from the Bears that can put them on that next level so we can be previewing a Bears game this right. time Well, next year. and you know, it might be something for Ryan Pace to have to address this offseason. We talked about it on Friday night. Last night for the Rams, their offensive line, yeah. they were fantastic. Yes, they were. And what? They were all healthy, yep. and they played every single game. That offensive line made the difference last night in that game. And I don't know if the Bears' offensive line is good enough to do something like that. I agree. I agree with you. There's no doubt about it. And we're, we're going to get into a, a thing that uh, Carmen talked about earlier this week and Pat Boyle talked about, about looking back at what the Bears did when they played the Philadelphia Eagles trying to run the ball, and they did an awful job of running the ball. One of the problems I had th- throughout, and um, I was n- even though Kyle Long was close to coming back in Week 17, I said, are you still going to be able to trust a guy who's been out for eight weeks after you give him one game and you want him starting your playoff game? Well, this is what uh, some of the stats that, that Carmen had. Um, 
courtesy of ESPN, on the Bears and their run blocking in their game against Philadelphia last week. I'm just patting myself on the back with this. Uh, ESPN Analytics, York. Uh, the Bears had their second worst pass blocking game of the season. Pass blocking, sorry. And their playoff loss against the Eagles. A bad time for that to happen. Posting a pass block win rate of 35%, well below their regular season average of 58%. Who was the worst? Kyle Long, unfortunately, was the weakest link on Sunday, particularly struggled when facing Michael Bennett. I told you Michael Bennett did have a good game. He yeah. had a real good game, no matter who he was working against. Long posted a 79% PBWR during the regular season, about league average for a guard, but he missed eight games because of injury. His replacement during that span, Brian Witzman, posted a strong 88% PBWR this season. Witzman did not play on offense Sunday. PBWR is an ESPN metric powered by NFL Next Gen Stats. So that was, that was something that I was worried about the whole time, and as it turned yeah. out at the end, it, it, it did come. It, it, we don't know if they would have won, if Brian Wichman would have been there. Maybe they would have scored more. Maybe Mitchell Trubisky would have had more time to throw the ball. It didn't happen. That's one of the other things we have to sit and worry about, or not worry about, but you know, wonder about as we go forward. You you did mention last night both teams scored 30 points that won. 30 for the Rams, 31 for the Chiefs. Eight times in 17 games, um, the Bears' offense failed to reach 20 points. Um, they were 5-1 and one in games where their defense scored yesterday. And we keep talking about Matt Nagy, and I think, you know, some of the stuff he showed us this year, I think he is more of an offensive genius, more of a Sean McVay kind of type guy. But he also <laughs> without needs, the results, is that what you're well, going he, at? Yeah. He also needs more of the personnel. I mean, well, it's a, it's a lot easier when you've got Todd Gurley in the backfield, when you've got Woods and you've got Cooks and you've got those kind of guys for you um, to run offensively. Now, slowly but surely this year, and someone brought up the point this week. We keep talking about how this was Mitchell Trubisky's first year in this offense. It wasn't only Mitchell Trubisky's first year in the offense. It was Robinson's first year, Gabriel's first yeah. year. Miller's first year, everybody's first. Trey, well, Trey Burton's it wasn't his first year. That's why he played well, and that's why the loss of him is probably more than hurt the Bears more than anything last week against Philadelphia. Yeah, I see your point, Fred. Um, I would also argue that if you want to compare the Bears' offense to the Rams, I agree. The Rams have way better uh, personnel to go along with it. But then if you look at other teams in the NFL that scored a lot of points, you know, the top 10 teams in scoring, the Bears are comparable asset-wise to what some other teams are, are running mm. out there. So, yeah, you, you could always upgrade to better skill position players. Right. But I, I think a lot of it is this city saw some fancy schematics offensively, and we've been living in the dark ages for yeah. our entire lives, and we were wooed by it. We had wind blown up our skirt, yet the results weren't necessarily there if you look at points per right. game and, and how this offense actually clicked when they were trailing yeah. or when they were in a tough ball game. Because when they were up and there was nothing to worry about, yeah, the offense looked cute. It was great. Yeah. But it didn't really excel to the lengths that other teams, you know, Kansas City, L.A. Rams, Saints. It, it, it's not that. No, it's not. I, I know people want to promote Matt Nagy as this offensive, offensive genius, but he's not quite there yet. No. 
No, when you're playing the Bucks, everything looks great because yeah. they're oh. the worst team, you know, worst defensive team in the league. But then when you're playing the Rams and and you can't throw the ball downfield and, and nothing's coming up, you're you're playing against, you're trying to throw the ball against the keep to leave and those kind of guys, right? And then in a playoff game against the Eagles, who have a good defense as well, and I know their secondary's been beat up, but those guys have been playing together because of the the uh, injuries. They've been playing together for the last seven eight games, so they they're familiar with the scheme. Yeah, yeah they were. Backups, but ultimately they earn starting spots because of their their level of play, and they know the scheme. They've played together for a while, and they came through. And you couldn't put up, like you said, you couldn't put up. You failed. How many times did they fail to reach twenty points? They uh, they reached uh, eight times in seventeen games. Their offense failed to reach twenty. So so let me give you this right. Some teams that compare the Bears to uh, Carolina had more offensive points per game this season than the Bears. Who has better skill position players? The Bears. Well, the Bears do for the most part. Um, well, and then for this conversation, yeah. let's remove quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, absolutely. so I, I would probably say the Bears overall have better weapons than the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, McCaffrey's like the only guy they got there. Right. Uh, the Colts. The Colts, you, re- you remove the two quarterbacks. I would rather have the, the Bears' skill position players overall, wouldn't well, you? Well, Marlon Mack showed, yeah. stepped up this That's year. He had a really good year. And uh, you had T.Y. Uh, Hilton, okay, who was hurt a lot of the year. But you had him and, and Eric Ebron. Okay. Had, but but you have this year. Gabriel. You mm-hmm. have, you know, uh, White. Uh, right. Not White. Um, Miller. Right. I'd um, rather have the Bears. Weapons. Yeah, like overall, yeah. The, the package of weapons in Seattle. Seattle was fourth in offensive points per game. They have Who has no a better off. set of skill set players the there? Bears do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so like there, there's an element of underperformance from this offense. I know people don't want to say anything negative about this offense because it's so fas- uh, flashy and so so new to them. But listen, they need to produce more points for yes, this team do. to go farther. There's no doubt. They definitely do. Real quickly, let's run out to Lake Forest. And Paul, you're running ESPN 1000. Hey, Paul, what's hey, up? Good morning, guys. What Great up? listening to you guys. Love it. Thanks. Two quickies, and uh, first point is I believe Parkey is going to be brought back next year for training camp, and they're going to have to beat somebody's going to have to beat him out, and that's because of our society in which we live today. It's not really meritorious. Failure doesn't preclude dismissal, and uh, it actually garners sympathy. So they're going to give the guy another shot, and if he gets beat out, that's better than just kicking him to the curb. But my real point is this. Perky let us down because he was mentally inept, right? Yeah. Trey, Bert, Trey Burton let us down because he was mentally inept. We all know now that he didn't have an injury. Okay, so he knew the offense the best. He knew Philadelphia the best. And he gagged for whatever reason. I'm not, if he can't handle it mentally, that's fine. I mean, everybody's different. But what's the difference between what Cody Parkey did to the Bears and what Trey Burton did to the you Bears? Know, uh, I appreciate Paul, listening to your answer. Thanks. Paul, I appreciate, it. I appreciate it. And I was waiting for a call like this all week long because for, for everything that Cap and Pat Boyle got out of Trey Burton, it was spun the wrong way, in my opinion. Trey Burton came out and said, I had an injury. Yeah. And then he went on to talk about his anxiety. Mm-hmm. But the injury was real. Right. Okay. I worked. I did four shows with Trey Burton during the course of the season. Yeah, and uh, Trey Burton wants nothing more than to go on out and win again. Okay, Trey Burton last year threw the Philly special. Okay, anxiety gets to people. Okay, mm-hmm. and I understand that. And he yeah. talked about his battles with anxiety, but I think when people listened to some of that interview and how they talked about it afterwards, they thought that. The anxiety is what kept him out of the game. That's not what kept him out. It was the injury. No, it's it's an inj- it's 
even if anxiety caused the injury, you can't just be like, oh, well, I don't have anxiety anymore, and then the injury's gone. Yeah. That's not how it works. Even if he didn't feel like and he said, I don't know if the anxiety caused the injury, he still had a an injury that forced him not to right. play. And if he would have tried to gut it out or whatever you want to say and, and play, he might have hurt the Bears more right. than by not playing. So... Like yeah, you can say whatever you want to say about him, but the point of the point is he was injured and couldn't play. His yeah. groin locked up, he couldn't run, he couldn't move, he couldn't cut, he couldn't do anything. Yeah, and Trubisky clearly struggled without him there. Yes, he did. The offense should have been able to overcome that though. Yeah. You know, the, the Bears should have won that game with or without Trey Burton. Uh and Fred, you're right on in the caller. Uh the, unfortunately you're incorrect because we don't know if it wasn't an injury or if it was. So if he says it's an injury and the Bears say it's an injury, that's what we have to go with. The, the, first, that, point he sa- sorry. No. the first thing he said about Cordy Parkey uh, being on the team, there is no way. Yeah, there no. is absolutely no way that Cody Parkey is going to be on this team. It does come down to money a lot. I, I know, mean, but well, look, that's going to be a that PR disaster. Yeah, if that that's the, the, the Bears are at a point now where they have garnered so much goodwill with the fans, with the club dub, and and the winning, and Nagy's such a great guy, and all this kind of stuff, and Chuck Pagano's such a good guy, and Trubisky, and everybody loves this team. That if you even bring him back to everything good that Ryan Pace did, all the good draft picks. All the Khalil Max and everything. And if Trubisky ends up being a Hall of Famer, whatever. If you bring back Cody Parkey and he misses a single kick again, yeah. everything is everything is undone. There, it doesn't matter the amount of money. It's worth it to cut him. I don't care if it was $9 million in a year. It's worth it to get rid of him. Because the, the distrust that you would have with your fan base, just by having him in the building, and I don't even know, but I'm sure teammates are going to say whatever they whatever is uh, politically correct and say, oh, yeah, he's a team, we're going to be behind him, all that kind of stuff. Right. They can't trust him either. You can't say that if there's a game on the line, especially as, as good as this division could be next year with Aaron Rodgers having a better coach and the Vikings being good again and, and everything and, – Game, you might miss the division, winning the division by a game. The Bears could have won an extra game and had a bye, and this would be their first game. Their first game yes, would have been yesterday. Be today. Yeah. Okay. And you could say that maybe it was, maybe it was that Miami game where he missed a kick. Maybe it was another game. So you can't cost yourself any games because of this guy anymore. I don't care how much money it costs. He's not coming back. I can't wait till. Uh... OTAs, he'll be there for OTAs. No, no, he'll be there for. No. He'll be there for. I think he will be. I know. I, what this in twenty four hours from now on Monday? No shot. Okay, <laughs> no shot. Right. He is back on this team. <laughs> you did see that one of the the best kickers in NFL postseason history missed two kicks yesterday. Yeah. right? Yeah, it happens. So it doesn't matter who your kicker is. It almost doesn't matter who your kicker is, except uh, there were a lot of guys yesterday that did not miss kicks, including who's this guy? The guy from the Cowboys, Maher. He didn't miss a kick. Every no. one of his kicks were right down the middle. He didn't have a lot of them. Uh, Zerline, boy, Zerline missed one early, I think. He missed a longer kick early. 
uh, in the in the game yesterday. But is Adam Vinatieri going to go on the Today Show next week? I don't oh, know. Okay. He Can should. He's got the beard and everything. Should I become a sympathetic figure? Did you get that joke out of your system? Yeah, now? I got that joke right. off. Yeah. Do we do we have to do this on Monday as well? Do we have to oh, get those will. jokes out oh, on sure Monday too? Will. Yeah, I'm sure, sure it'll be done. You, will. you know how many times? Nine oh three. I saw on social media last night someone making it. that joke. You, you tweet that. Yeah, I got to get those jokes off, man. We'll talk more about the playoff games. We'll talk more about the Goose Island forty three yard field goal challenge. We got a lot more to do. Malika Andrew. Will join us around 10:40 talking some NBA. Eric at home from Pro Football Weekly at around 11:10, and at 10 o'clock we're going to wrap up the Bear season. Talking about Chuck Pagano, we'll talk more about Cody Parkey. Their biggest challenges going forward. The most underrated guy. I'm thanking the Sun Times for all this stuff, and also <laughs> what you liked and didn't like about Mitchell Trubisky. And I've got guys here that have opinions about the Bears' quarterback, so we'll definitely have a lot to talk about in the 10 o'clock hour right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day. Adam Vinatieri at the age of 46. Oh, and he hits the upright of all things. Wow, down the field they go, trying to cut it to a two-possession lead. And folks, we have seen this before. Wow. Like six days ago. That wasn't a doink, that was a dog. This is Chicago's game day. Can you say that? On ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Highlights courtesy. That wasn't a doink, that was a dog. (laughs) Highlights courtesy NBC. And uh, yeah, it's interesting because Al Michaels said later on, I think Chris, you were the one that uh, mentioned it, we couldn't find it. But Al Michaels said, is it us? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, last night, yeah. Because they had four times earlier this year in the in the one game that Parky did it, and that was the uh that was Al Michaels and Collinsworth last week when he did it. And then yesterday they game that they were doing doink, that was a dog. The game they're doing and all of a sudden and then yesterday was great though because when he hit it, snow fell off yeah. the off the upright, and it was even uh, even better. But uh, yeah, Adam Vinatieri misses a twenty three yarder, and uh, he really took the Colts. I mean, if you're a Colts player, he took any life you any chance you had out of that game because he missed a field goal, then he missed an extra point, which would have cut it at the time to a one score game. And it's like, come on! I mean, you're the guy. You're our vet. You're the where's you supposed to help us out? He didn't do it, and uh, the Chiefs end up winning that game, thirty-one thirteen yesterday. Vinatieri missing. Um, Andrew Luck had his problems yesterday too, and it was actually the offensive line which we talked so much about, and everybody did this week. How good the offensive line of the Colts were. He was sacked three times. He fumbled and lost a fumble yesterday. Only the second time this year, I think it was. They were 0 for 9 on third downs. Marlon Mack rushed for 46 yards before going out with a with a hip injury. Four passes were um, tipped at the line of scrimmage. And the Kansas City defense, which has been criticized all year long, everyone says that you're going to have to just outscore them because you know they're going to score points. They batted or defended nine passes yesterday. So they had a whole week to get, to figure out how to slow down and how to stop Andrew Luck, and they did a great job of it yesterday. Yeah, they were putting pressure on him. And yeah. when you can put pressure on the uh, quarterback, that really makes a difference. And even though Kansas City didn't show the ability to do that throughout the regular season, they showed up big yesterday. Yeah, yeah, they did. They're not it, a horrible defense. They're 17th in DVOA. They're not the worst defense left in the playoffs. Manageable. That's the Eagles. Yeah, they're a manageable well, defense. And, and when a manageable defense gets pressure, that's when you can have success like that. It's when you don't get pressure and you're that bad in the secondary, that's when you get torched. Yeah. yeah. 
The know? beginning of the game, too. I mean, because the Chiefs took the ball, they scored on a 90-yard drive and a 70-yard drive on their first two possessions, where Andrew Luck had three passes tipped and the first two drives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, right off the bat, you're down 14 points, and the Chiefs are winning, and the Chiefs are at home, and the people are going crazy. And they scored was, a touchdown. The Colts scored a touchdown before they got a first down. Yeah, it was a shame that the, the horse couldn't go on the field. It was it was slippery. It was muddy. <laughs> He's not a mudder, so they had to keep him in the stable. Uh, he could not get out there. The Rams oh. A, Rams a 30-22 to 22 win over the Cowboys. And I know this is frustrating to hear because we heard so much of it during the course of the year with victories for the Bears, but this was the Rams and Sean McVay, the winning, the youngest coach to win a playoff game after the game yesterday. Hey, you can't say enough about that team effort right there. How about the defense stopping the run? It sounds familiar. Uh, I was waiting for a boom. (laughs) I was waiting for a boom in there. You know what else it sounded like? It sounded like there were a heck of a lot more than 54 guys in there. Yeah. It sounded like there were like 100 people. Friends and family. Especially after that first one. Um, But you know why Andrew Whitworth got a, uh, he he didn't win before? Because he played for Cincinnati. Mm. And they couldn't, they never could win a playoff game. Yeah, and bad. he was there constantly all the time, and he could not win. Uh, quickly, we were talking about Bears were t- because they're not there, and we'll talk a lot more about that in the 10 o'clock hour, but let's go to Griffin, Indiana. And Mad Mac, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Mac. Hey, one quick question. What's DVOA? It's an efficiency stat for uh, units of football. So, like, they take a look at overall offense, defense, special teams, They've got a bunch of numbers that go into it, and it gives you an efficiency rating. And they also weight it, so later games are weighted more than uh, games in the beginning of the season, so it takes into effect how teams come together towards the end of the year. Is that an ESPN prepared? No, no, it's from Football Outsiders. FootballOutsiders.com. Okay. All right, here's the point. Regarding Cody Parkey, I love all your shows on ESPN, but you guys are so incredibly demonstrative toward the guy. The ball was tipped with a defender's left hand. It pushed the ball to the left. If it wasn't touched, if the offensive line would have done what they did, what they were supposed to do, which is keep those guys from penetrating, the ball would have made it by eight feet. Mad Mac, Mac, first uh, on Cody Parkey, did you see the first kick that he uh, attempted? Yeah, the one that went through, right? Yeah. How how did that look to you? I think it made it through the through the two yellow posts, right? Yeah, it did. Did they look confident? Did it look like it went through high in the net? It. When you look at the scoreboard at the end of the day, you either won or you right. lost. Okay. How you did it is irrelevant. All right. What's point two? The ball, the ball got tipped. The point two is that I don't hear anybody on ESPN who ever saw the overlay of where that invisible eleventh man was. That guy was. That guy would have been right where that touchdown pass was thrown. Yet nobody, 
wants to fire the defensive coordinator it's for the not, Bears. Oh, but, but, Matt Mack, and we appreciate the call. It's not the defensive coordinator's problem mm-hmm. for not having 11 guys on the field. Mm-hmm. The defensive coordinator puts the play out there. It's the player who wasn't there. They call, they know, they have a package. They call the package that's supposed to be out there. Yeah. And if the defensive player is not there, and I think it was Sherrick McManus. I can't be 100% sure, and I haven't heard anybody else say it, but Adrian Amos was there, but I don't think Sherrick McManus was and out also, there. Also, one more point on the Cody Parkey kick. If you, a bunch of kickers have talked about it this week since it's been the hottest topic. The, the kicker has been the hottest topic. Uh, hey, Dalton, in, did you know that the, the, the kick was uh, I know tipped. it was tipped. Okay. But it's also on the oh. kicker on anything o- from that distance, from 40 yards out, to get enough lift, lift. on it right. so it's not tipped. And there wasn't pressure. All he did was hold his hand up. It's not like he jumped or anything. All he did was hold his hand up and he tipped it. It's on the kicker. It's on Cody Parkey to get enough lift on that. Jay Feely talked about it. A bunch of, a bunch of other kickers have talked about it. you got to get enough lift on it to get it over the hand. At Goose Island yesterday, we saw a bunch of people get enough lift to get it over the, the 10 foot. What was it? No, nah, it wasn't 10 feet. It was about 10 foot like high fence. Foot fence. Almost, it's about yeah. an 8 foot yeah. fence. Okay, so yeah. that's like someone who's 6 feet tall holding up their hand, right? Like yeah. this. And you know, the other thing, too, is that you, you, you look at it, and I've never seen a ball that was tipped go so over and over like it did. Yeah, like the rotation wasn't the rotation affected was, whatsoever. No, not yeah. at all. Yeah. It was it was it, Well, that, that's why if you saw the first kick, the first kick looked weak. And whatever Matt wasn't it Mac? What, Mad, Mad, Mad Mac. Mac. Mad yeah, Mac. Mad Mac uh, calling in uh it w- whatever you want to say, the first kick looked weak, the second one was weaker. And none of this would be a problem if he actually made kicks throughout the regular season. Right. We would feel bad for the guy oh, yeah, absolutely. if he just he missed miss, this one right. kick. I agree. What did he miss? But he 11? was terrible yeah, this I mean, year. He was three for and three he's a kicker. Yeah. You're supposed to make kicks, Mad Mac. It's whatever. real simple. Whatever you're... It's real simple. You're supposed to make them. Let's go to Racine, Wisconsin, because I like, the, I like right. this guy's uh, point. George, what's up? Yeah, hi. Thank you for having me on. Uh, the Bears have to get rid of Chris Tabor. He's very, very bad special teams coach. Uh, he didn't help the kicker to, to elevate his kicks. He doesn't even do well with the punter. And at that New England uh, the Patriots game, he gave up a touchdown on a kickoff and a punt return on a kickoff. That's 14 points. He brought the Spiegel kicker in from Cleveland and I think that's the problem. They have to get rid of him. George, appreciate the call, and I I, I want to get rid of Chris Tabor for a lot of reasons because uh, yeah he he did he has been done a miserable job on special teams. People keep saying, well, he's done a good job on special teams, and people you know Pat O'Donnell's getting a break because Pat O'Donnell's last punt was a twenty-eight yard punt which set up Philadelphia yeah. to march the ball downfield. Okay, the defense didn't help out at all either, but. Pat O'Donnell's job is to put the ball deep in 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 the territory so that Philadelphia's got to go the length of the field. He had a twenty eight yard punt. I mean, um Special teams was bad all season. It was it was um, real bad all season. Seventh in the league. And I year. know they had a returner who's all pro, but somehow the special teams unit was not very good. And you know, and, and I'm not a big fan of kickoffs being returned. I've said it all year long because the NFL doesn't want kickoffs being returned either because they give you the ball at the 25-yard line. Just let the ball go in the end zone, take it at the 25. Usually you're not going to get it to the 25, or there's going to be a holding penalty or a block in the back, and you're going to start at the 17 or the 12 or something like that. But if you're going to have Tariq Cohen returning punts, 
Let him return kicks where at least he gets a better chance. You you have more opportunity as a kick returner. You have more open space. You don't have to worry about a fair catch. Mm-hmm. It's not college football. You don't worry about a fair catch. You can take the ball, and you've got some space on a ball that might be kicked at the two, to the two or the five. Take it and go. Yesterday we saw it in a couple of the games yesterday uh, where the kickoffs were at the five. The guy had basically, I would say, no chance, no no choice but to return it. But he never got to the 25. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, let it go into the end zone. Yeah, but at a certain point in games, like you, I, I at the end, to, yeah, you have to right. start returning because you're just hoping for chaos and like you need a score. Right. At, so at the end, yeah, you're hoping for something because you're down so much. You're like, well, this gives us another opportunity to score. So then I understand it, but ultimately, if you're gonna, if your kicker's so good that they're gonna kick at the five yard line, you have to. I mean, you have to try to run back. You and, know? Well, yeah, until you realize that you can't do it. Yeah. And just think about it as we go to break the uh, the Giants game. I was in the car. We were doing the pregame show for the Giants game, me and Steve Michael McMichael. By the time yeah. I got to the car, it was already 7 to nothing, and I couldn't figure out why. It's because the Bears tried to field the kickoff. It bounced off of, uh, I want to say it's Mizell's, uh chest to the two-yard line, and that's where they fell in the ball. If he lets the ball go in the end zone, it's first down at the 25. That may have never happened. The Bears may have won the game and, yeah. and had a bye week and played today. Could have. Oh, All because of special teams. Could have, would have, should have. So but, fire Chris Tabor. Well, well, yeah, and Fred, you know, something that uh, Abdal and I usually try and point out when we're picking games yeah. is a lot of people uh, just focus on the points per game or the offensive unit, the defense. Special teams huge. makes mm-hmm. or breaks. There's a reason they call it the third, you know. Yeah, and, and there, there should be equal importance yeah. on special teams, even though there may not be as many snaps throughout a game on the special teams unit as there are on the offense or the defense. But it is huge. And and when you have a unit that is not as good as the others that you have on the ball club, your defense has to make up for it. And they couldn't make up for that at the end of the year. No. You know, like and that's where if you would have had just a special teams unit that was ranked average, you probably would have been okay. Yeah. You probably would have because the things you're talking about would have been corrected. And that's what needs to change going even, into next season. Even though there was a mistake on the Chiefs special teams yesterday. And who's, yeah, the, first, who's the first guy? They, they couldn't show Dave Tobe quick enough yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that Giants game you're talking about, the Giants special team, number one. Are they? Mm-hmm. There you go. So they got that going for them. Yes, so. they, well, they got that and Eli Manning. And, and uh, Odell Beckham, who, who can play when he wants to, apparently. Uh, we, we're going to take a break, get back to it. Hey, Mike Golick Jr. is going to join us. All right. After his attempt at a 43-yard field goal yesterday. Yeah, it was He'll fun. break that down. Yeah, it was fun hanging out with him at Goose Island yesterday. Cool. So uh, he'll join us. He'll talk about his kick and uh, the scene. It was There was nothing more Chicago yeah. than us uh, rallying around together having fun based on someone else's expense. Uh, Abdallah, I mean, is there anything else more Chicago no, than that? No. And people just, I said it yesterday. The, the, the marathon yeah. takes to Chicago. People love it. The Olympics. It. it was great. The World Cup. This is the best event Chicago's ever had. It was fantastic. Best event Chicago's ever done. And, and Abdallah and I have been to the Goose Island Tap Room over there on uh, Fulton. But this way, it just brought a lot more people over there so they can realize where they can go and get really, really good beer all the yeah. time. Yeah, all for sure. It's yeah. so close to the United Center. Yeah. Going there before or afterwards is a great thing to do. So we'll talk with Mike Golick Jr. at top of the hour. Malika Andrews will join us at 1040. And coming up next, Fred, uh, from that event yesterday, yeah. I actually have some good positive news that came from it. Okay, I'm looking forward to some good positive news. It is uh, the two millennials and the old man. This is Chicago.
Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. If you were one of the people that uh, attempted the kick yesterday at Goose Island, sorry you missed. I know I'm, I would, you know, people would say, well, how about the guys that made it? I, nobody made it. Yeah, no, no one made it. Yeah. Uh, Abdallah and I were there yep. with uh, Mike Gold Jr. He'll join us at 10 o'clock. You'll also see the footage of him on SportsCenter. I saw it earlier this morning. Uh, they're also going to play it on Golik and Wingo on Monday morning. Uh, thanks to Renee and to Todd at Goose Island yep. for having us all out. It was awesome, Fred. And, like, like, it was such a fun event because they blocked off the street in front of Goose Island uh-huh. uh, on the west side over by the United Center on Fulton. And it was, they had like streetcars set up. So there was food, there was beer, there was cool. people hanging out. Uh, if you weren't kicking, there were probably what? 300 people just oh, watching yeah. and yeah. cheering. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. And uh, no one made the kick. There was a eight foot fence in front of where you would kick. So it kind of was like resembling like a blocking line reaching up. Gotcha. Uh, it was very difficult. And it was pretty obvious early on. That no one was going to come close on on making this forty three yard field goal, right? Yeah, especially because of the weather. It, it had a lot to do with people slipping, and it was pretty evident early on that when the first eight out of ten people hit the fence, that like they didn't yeah. know you need to just you need to get lift on these kicks, right? And nobody, we were talking during the break, nobody got the the like the look of a kicker when a kicker watch t- during today's games. If you think you can do this. Watch a kicker on a field goal and what they do. The follow watch through. The follow through. Yeah. And watch a kicker on a kickoff. We had uh, Dan Durkin was on Waddle and Sylvie on Friday, and he kicked at Illinois. And he said when he, when he was taught to kick, you always let – it's like a golf swing. Right. You always let the crowd tell you whether or not you've made the kick because you're supposed to keep your head down, just like a follow through. Sure. Like when you look – when you hit a golf ball. So you're not supposed to pick your head up. You're not supposed to do any of that. And none of these guys, a couple guys said they'd kicked in high school or whatever, but no one looked like they were a kicker. Right. And it's probably the elements you try to, you know, you try to, you try to impress people. Well, they, 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 they tried because they put the, they had the AstroTurf down there because a lot of people said, well, you're kicking off asphalt. Well, they didn't. They kicked off the AstroTurf, mm-hmm. which was, which was cool, but. Because of the snow that fell, yeah, it, it was almost turned into ice. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was bad. And um, so if you watch SportsCenter or you see all these different videos of uh, the cut-ups of all the guys kicking, the first guy that kicked, Abdallah and I interviewed him before yeah. he kicked. And uh-huh. it's on Abdallah's uh, Twitter feed, uh, the live feed of us interviewing him. And I walked up to him and I said, by the way, the media people are trying this right now and they're just hitting the fence. Like right. You got to account for the fact that mm-hmm. this fence is pretty high and pretty close to you. You got to kick it over. He looked at me dead in the in the eye and goes, "Well, I'm an athlete. I'm going to make I it." I got this. It was yeah. like, "All there right, Mr. Right, Fenwick. And All right, course, Fenwick guy." And he's everybody. the first guy that went and he yeah. slipped and fell. Yeah. It's like, "Well, there you go, buddy." And he, he just looked so dejected and I think I don't know if Cheverini, uh, Ryan Cheverini, uh, host of Windy City Live. I don't know if he attempted. He was there. I don't, I don't know if he had, <laughs> Excuse you, me. You okay there, no, champ? I got something stuck in my throat. I don't know if what? he attempted a kick. Uh, but he was there. Golick Jr. Uh, he he got it over the fence. Yeah. But he obviously didn't. Uh, he didn't make it. Spoiler alert. Uh, we did not attempt 
to kick. I didn't. I didn't want to put the uh, the people to shame, but uh, we did not attempt. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, when you get there, um, it was pretty obvious no one was going to make right. the kick. So there's mm-hmm. like, like I looked at Abdallah. I was like, well, there's no way I can get that. There's no way I can do <laughs> so that. So why why so, even make it embarrass yourself? So I mentioned before uh, we went to commercial yes. break that there is some good news to come from this. So if you're someone out there that's like, why is everyone so mean spirited? Why is this such a negative thing? Making fun of Cody Parkey uh, since there was no winner yesterday. Goose Island offered up to donate $20,000 to the charity of Cody Parkey's choosing, and that charity will be Lori's Children's Hospital. Very cool. So the Goose Island will be giving $20,000 to Lori's Children's Hospital. We all had fun. It was a great time. Mm-hmm. Everyone enjoyed it that was there. Even the people that missed, the guys that were kicking, they fell, they got up, they laughed. It was a fantastic event. It was a lot of fun. Great job, Goose Island. We'll talk more football, and we'll talk with one of the guys that uh, attempted the kick. Mike Golick Jr. will join us we come back. It is a Black Abdallah. Hub- this is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Rams in the huddle, in their royal and yellow throwback uniforms, attacking the peristyle end of the Coliseum. Goff under center, turns left, gives to Anderson, and he puts it in the paints! Touchdown, L.A.! C.J. Anderson powers through the left side! He puts it in the what? The paints? I don't know, Fred. I don't know what that means. I guess you got to be a Rams fan to know what that means. Fred, you have Nara with Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, and uh, the Rams are moving on after a 30-22 to win over the Cowboys yesterday. Uh, the two winning quarterbacks yesterday, Mahomes and Goff, no touchdown passes. The uh, Chiefs ran for four touchdowns, and the Rams just kept running and running and running. 273 yards of rushing and um, a 5.7 average. Two more games today. We're going to talk about those games. We're going to talk about field goal kicking. We we tried to get Adam Vinatieri, but he's, he's still missing field goals of 23 yards. So we found someone that made an attempt at a longer field goal, and it was just wide left. Mike Golick Jr., nice enough to join us here on ESPN 1000. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing good. I'm still looking for loose connections between me and Hall of Famers like Adam Terry. So I feel like if I keep having LeBron's hairline, I can make that connection. And having kicks like Adam Vinatieri yesterday, and I have to single out yesterday, that is my only loophole into getting myself somehow into these Hall of Fame conversations. But just think now, you know, next week you can go to Indianapolis and kick 23 yarders at Sun King Brewery or something. Feeling a lot better about my chances with that, too. I've got some things I really think I can work on coming off yesterday. Very coachable points. So, uh, Mike, yesterday uh, Adam and myself were out there with you, and we got to see all the people here in Chicago come out and watch people attempt these kicks. Uh, from For someone who doesn't live here, coming in to, make, to try this kick, what was your impression of how people supported and came out for this event? I think it was really fun, and we made this comment multiple times yesterday, just seeing everyone with the right attitude about this. Like obviously, it's a week removed from a pretty painful experience for everyone involved. It was something that the Goose Island wanted to make a learning experience, a reminder that kicking a 43-yard field goal is tough. And, yes, none of us are paid professionally to do that. Like Everyone came in with that in mind, though. People enjoyed it. People were really excited. And I thought uh, there was a lot of genuine desire to hit this kick. Like, I came out there and I'm, you know, dressed in football pants that the Golden Wingo people bought off the internet that had the pads sewn in it. Like, I haven't seen that since I was in Pop Warner Ball. 
But, you know, you get other people up there that are showing up with cleats that have a very real warm-up routine. And then even when they missed or fell on, you know, fell on their behinds or anything like that, like everyone got up, everyone was enjoying it. I, I think overall the way everyone approached yesterday was really refreshing and it was nice to see. I think you actually, you won. You basically made the kick <laughs> because you cleared the, you went first before anybody else did. So you cleared the fence when like the first eight out of 10 people hit the fence right off the bat. You didn't hit anybody in the face, which someone did, and you didn't hit, you didn't fall, and you didn't hit anybody in the marbles either, which someone did. So to me, you you won. You know what? I, I won in all those regards, but I'll tell you where I lost. And I hear this all the time, where guys that are aging out of their given professional sport will always say, "I know it's time because when I turn on the tape in the middle of the week." And I see some guy getting beat, and then I realize, oh, man, that's me. Like, I start to look less athletic, or I start to do things that aren't necessarily what I've always been known for. When I saw just how unathletic I looked swinging my leg in an attempt to make that kick, it was a humbling reminder that I may have played offensive line, but I only loosely qualify as an athlete. <laughs> Mike Gulley Jr., nice enough to join us. Uh, there were a couple of games yesterday with guys that were getting paid to kick field goals. Uh, and the end of Vinatieri, the only thing that you know, I bring this up, he missed the 23-yarder, he also missed an extra point. And those were huge because at those times, he could have actually put his team into, into the game, even though the Chiefs were probably going to win. At least the Colts might have had a chance. But him missing a 23-yarder uh, had to let his teammates down a lot because they actually could have gotten with it you know, within striking distance. Yeah, and it's one of those things that no one's ever going to point the finger at Adam Vinatieri because obviously he's been such a consistent force and especially a consistent force for that team this season. But there's no doubt that, that, that the kick before the half was devastating. To put them at that point, it would have been within two scores of Kansas City, who had dominated the game up until that point, and you could have said then it was still only up two scores. It felt accessible at that point, and that took the wind out of everybody's sails. The offense had struggled to get anything going until that last two-minute drive. The defense was holding on for dear life against the Kansas City team that we knew was going to come with more firepower and better protection than they saw against Houston the week before. And it's the testament to what we hear all the time, complimentary football, when you're a team that's sort of built on every unit working together, the offense controlling the football, the defense being timely, coming up with plays the way they did last week, and then special teams having that consistency. Once you falter in a couple of those areas, the house of cards comes crashing down. What did you make of the Rams' ability to run the football against the Cowboys last night? It was amazing. I mean, and C.J. Anderson, like you, you watched that game last night and Todd Gurley, who we know has been dealing with a number of injuries down the stretch and they said was healthy coming into last night, but we know that only loosely means healthy. He was able to be in pads and be on the sideline. Uh, it, it was impressive. That was the area I had the most questions about this Rams team just because down the stretch of the season, when you looked in the interior, especially of that offensive line, I thought they had finally started to show a little bit of weakness in that area and that the Cowboys would be able to exploit it. But you give the Rams credit. One of my favorite things is they don't do a lot. It is the illusion of sophistication as it was once built to me. You move all these motions around and you have all these different formations and you run a lot of 11 personnel. And then you're basically just running inside and outside zone until the cows come home. And it is gives you an opportunity as an offensive line to go run, to get guys cut down. And they took great advantage of it. And a Cowboys defense that had been led by those 
those great linebackers finally seemed to have met a team that was able to get up on them, that was able to be physical with them at the point of attack in a way that you know they had been doing to other teams really since that Thursday night game against the Saints. What did you think of the Colts play yesterday? Did they just finally run into the buzzsaw that is the Chiefs, or did they kind of have some missteps that cost them that game? Colts play calling at the beginning of that game really threw me for a loop. It was, you know, the 0 for 8 on third down going through the first three quarters was an alarming stat, first two or three quarters. But it was really just the way they had set it up. It was so much passing. You saw so little Marlon Mack. Even when they got down at the beginning, as we mentioned, it was relatively a two-score game, a 14-17 point game for a lot of the middle portion there. You don't have to get too far away from your game plan if you are the Colts. And I felt like they took away what that line did best. And so you saw towards the end of the game, Justin Ford or Justin Houston, D. Ford, able to tee off on Brady Smith and some of these tackles because as good as this offensive line has been, they've been great because they've been allowed to run a lot of play action pass off that run action. And so you start majoring in as much drop back as they had to because of the flow of the game, and you put guys in a position where Kansas City doesn't do a lot great on defense. They rush the hell out of the passer. Like they, they have guys that can absolutely get after the quarterback, and you gave them more opportunities to do that, which is the last thing on earth any offensive line wants to do, even one as good as the Colts. Mike Golick Jr., nice enough to join us here on ESPN 1000. Mike, uh, about a week or so ago, Trey Wingo brought up a stat, which I, I was embarrassed that I did not know. But for the last five years, the number, the Super Bowl was the number one or number two seeds. And actually was nine times the number one number and once the number two seed. Uh, we're two more games away from having that probably happen again. Um, is it because of the bye week where they get to rest? Is it because the other team has to play that other game and people can find their problems? Or is it just because the one and two seeds are the better teams each and every year? Uh, I know it's kind of a cop-out, but all the above, right? Like all of these things these little things matter, especially at this portion of the year. Like the amount of travel. We talk about the team in an AFC who I love and at the start of the season was my Super Bowl pick in the Los Angeles Chargers. But you look at what that team's got to do now, going on the road twice now to the East Coast to begin the playoff run, that's a difficult thing for any team to do, let alone a team who is dealing with injuries to a couple of their running backs, to their uh, one of their star wide receivers. They're getting a tight end back off you know, a injury and Hunter Henry, who's been down most of the season, like all of these little things add up for teams along the way. And so when you combine that with the fact that you also handled your business to the extent that you were, you know, the one seed going into the tournament, like I think you just, we, we kind of underestimate what each of those things can mean. And then when you stack them all up, of course that gives you an advantage. When you look at the Chargers and the Patriots, I, I think if you're listening to all the talking heads this week and you're looking at all the research, it seems like all the stats would suggest the Chargers are by far the better team. But everyone suggesting the Patriots are going to win are just using things like, well, it's Tom Brady. Well, it's Bill Belichick. Well, it's at Foxborough. What do you think of this matchup? Because the analytics are pointing towards the Chargers. Yeah, no, I would say all that, too. And then I looked up the other day, and the Patriots were fourth in offensive efficiency this year. Like, yeah. <laughs> we, we say all these things about the demise of the Patriots, and they still had a first-round bye, and they are still one of the better offensive teams in the NFL. That being said, you're right. And, and I think continuity is one of the most important things in sports on any level. You look at the teams in college that were just playing for the national championship, and you look at the teams that find their way 
back here, and they've got that continuity, whether it's just the staff, whether it's the staff and their key players, their star quarterbacks, and what Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have been able to do in that cachet of knowledge they get to draw on in these situations. I think it's substantial. Now, I picked the Chargers because I don't think they're a talented enough team this year. I think when you've got a Rob Gronkowski who's on the field and a lesser version of himself, it's not like years past where we've seen the Patriots win without him when you fully adjust it. They've had to adjust to Rob Gronkowski finally starting to look like all of these injuries have taken a toll and things have added up on him. They've had to deal with Josh Gordon, who was their leading receiver at the time, no longer being a part of this team. They've had to deal with a defense that has no Matt Patricia and has looked worse than even the Patriots defenses in the past that have made chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what on a pretty regular occasion. So when you add all those things up and you have a Chargers team on the other side that showed the ability last week to take some chances game plan-wise, to do some things creatively that we normally associate with New England, being so reflexive, having this ability to take away the thing that you do best, and we know the whole story. The Chargers going with seven defensive backs last week after not showing that look for any you know long period of time during the season. Like I think when you've got a team like that with Anthony Lynn that's willing to take chances and has an understanding of what you need to do to stifle the opponent, I, I think that makes them dangerous coming on the road, even in a place like Foxborough. My favorite graphic today has been the the something's got to give with the the <laughs> Patriots being undefeated at home and the Chargers being undefeated on the road. How much does this matter uh, that the Chargers are playing again on the road on the East? I, I think it's huge. I mean, we know west to east is always a difficult task for a lot of teams, especially if they were to be playing in that early window. But also uh, just adding that mileage up over the course of time. And you see it with everyone in you can't help but feel it as a player. I mean, just being on a plane after games like that, you get home and you feel the effects of that a little bit more, especially on these long flights and going out there. You're trying to adjust time zones, which they've done, and obviously this isn't their first time doing it, but every time it's just still something you've got to be cognizant of. And for teams and in sports in general where you try and build so much regularity into your routine, whether it's at home on the road, it's just one more thing you've got to think about going into a place that's already very difficult to play. We know weather-wise, it's certainly not going to be Southern California uh, in, in New England today, so you've got to measure and, and deal with that along the way as well. Like There are they're all factors, certainly, that just become, a, again, enough of a thing you have to think about to take away from, all right, we're trying to make this day as easy and streamlined as possible, which is everyone's goal. Another minute or two with Mike Golick Jr. here on ESPN 1000. Back in week 11, I'm flipping channels, I'm watching games. I'm not sure if the Bears were playing uh, you know, in the afternoon or whatever, but I flipped over and saw the Saints were playing the Eagles, and it was 41-7. to And Drew Brees on a fourth down was dropping back to throw to Alvin Kamara, and I said, what the hell is going on? And they scored a touchdown. It was 48-7 to was the final. These two teams meet again. Uh, what do you expect from this one? Do you expect the, the, the Eagles to, to remember what happened there? And the last couple of weeks, the Saints offense seemed to struggle. Do you expect those struggles to continue? I, I don't for them. I don't expect it to look like that. For whatever reason, this Eagles team, the minute they bring in the uh, they bring in the reliever and Nick Foles, things <laughs> seem to change for them around the postseason. But uh, I expect it to be closer. Clearly, you heard the comments from Jason Peters and some others. They were very cognizant of what was happening and what they thought was going on there with the Saints running up the score. But, uh, no, I expect the Saints offense to hum. I expect the Saints defense to be the difference. And I expect Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram to be the mitigating factor when it comes to how do you slow down this Eagles pass rush that has really been the catalyst 
for this entire run. Obviously, Nick Foles has been a sensational story, back-to-back postseasons. Even if it ends now, it's still unbelievable what this guy has managed to do when he's gotten run at the end of the season. But I look at Fletcher Cox. I look at Chris Long. I look at the rest of that defense, and especially the defensive line, that's been able to step up to the plate where the secondary has been battered and beaten for the entire season. We know they're on thin, you know, thin bodies back on that end of the field, but that defensive line has been so dominant, especially on the interior where we know pass rushers are at such a premium right now. Can you get that on the other side from the Saints who, when healthy, have been one of the better offensive lines in the NFL? There's been a lot of change-up on that line for health reasons at times, but when they've got their crew out there, I trust that group about as much as any in the NFL. Okay, one last thing. We would be remiss if we did not ask you. Chuck Pagano comes in as the defensive coordinator replacing Vic Fangio. What are your initial thoughts on uh, Pagano coming into Chicago? Yeah, I mean, listen, if I'm dead, Chuck Pagano, I am about as happy as a, <laughs> a pig. You know what? Like I, you, have, you have handed that guy every tool that you could ever want as a defensive coach. Like We obviously remember his time in Indianapolis, and I think he's a good, solid coach, but this is one of those situations where you come in, and, and certainly Chuck Pagano is, is established enough as a coach. He's going to come in. He's going to run things his way. But you also don't screw too much up. Like, this defensive unit will not turn the ball over at this rate again next year. You cannot count on that as a surefire thing. But what you can count on is every level you've got young players who are either in that first contract or that you've locked up for a little while and you've got such a strong foundation coming back that you want to make sure, again, that continuity is important. Don't give these guys too much to think about. Don't give these guys too much change that ultimately slows them down, that keeps them from being the best version of themselves. So Chuck Pagano should be doing cartwheels somewhere, getting the news that he has the privilege of coaching the Bears defense. Mike, we really appreciate you jumping on. You leave Chicago after a couple of beers, a fun experience, and your hamstrings are intact, correct? Exactly. No ice tub trips for me, guys. All in all, calling it a win. There you go. Thanks a lot. We'll be listening tomorrow. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Mike Golick Jr., uh, nice enough to jump on in, and uh, he'll he'll get... um He'll probably get torched a little bit tomorrow. No, I mean, look, it, it, he gave a good effort. Yeah, he gave a good. Yeah. He gave a good effort. Oh no, he that's what we're saying. He yeah. did well, his dad and crazy. If someone would have made it, if like ten people would have made it, they probably would have been like, "Dude, right? What What are you doing?" But since everybody but missed, since everybody missed, and given the elements, I thought he did a good job. And yeah. we were talking with Todd uh, towards the end, the uh, president of Goose Island, and we're like, "So, what are you going to do next year?" And I suggested, "Well, every time a Chicago." team loses you have to just replicate (laughs) what it is so if if the Bulls lose on a last second three, you have to have people come take a three point shot. Okay. If the Cubs lose by not turning a double play, you have to have people come and try to turn a double play. And whatever it is, you just have to somehow keep this going because they've gotten like the momentum. You have to build off the momentum of this somehow. Well, just think if they would have had this at the start of the season, they would have had people after game one try to catch a, a, a pass thrown after Kyle Fuller dropped the interception. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Kyle Fuller's brother plays for one of the teams last night, right? Kendall Kendall Fuller. Am He's I, on the Chiefs, I believe. Yeah. Okay. They were. It was funny because they were. They you know, they do the little thing and they all say their names and everything like that. I looked and it looked. He looked exactly like him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, a, you know exactly. They both went like to Vatak yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why. That's why I thought it was him. And it's nice that one of them. Just imagine a nice family. You got you got both both of them in the playoffs. And I know there's another brother too there. Um, that that got got in and played in the NFL. Oh, yeah. so very, I mean, very cool. That stuff's always fascinating to me because it's like uh, if you ever read Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, yeah. like he talks about it, like like how do you 
get that, right? Like, how do all hockey players, great hockey players, come from like one neighborhood, yeah, part of Canada, right? Sure. Like, it's it's very unique how that stuff works, and it's clearly based on bloodlines, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how else do you get Eli Manning and Peyton Manning after Archie Manning, right? Cooper. Like, well, C- Cooper played college football, okay. You know, this yeah. way, well, why do you have to be that guy on well, Sunday I mean, morning? What about Cooper? How do you think those Thanksgiving dinners go? It's fine. Uh, you know, you know they're expensive. Yeah. I'm sure he's he's glad that they're treating. Did you hear what happened with Peyton Manning yesterday about his son? Yeah, his son was there uh, for the for the game. Yeah, his son went and, decked out in Rams gear, right? Yeah, he wore I want to say Gurley in the first half and Donald in the second half. He brought two jerseys. Yeah, I mean, see, there you go. Costume change. Yeah, so you know that was nice. This is a stat, and I know this is just a, a guy on Twitter posted it. Uh, Trubisky versus Mahomes first playoff game. Oh my game. god! This guy, some guy, t- uh, tweeted me that like okay, so the game just, could like at the second the game ended, hold the up. truthers were hold, logged hold on, on to Twitter.com. I know how to end this. Okay, read the final scores of both games and who's moving on. Sixteen, mm-hmm. fifteen, Eagles and uh, thirty-one, right. well, thirteen, go. Colts. There you um, go. Mahomes was sacked four times and a eighty-five point two quarterback passer rating. If the Bears had Patrick Mahomes, see, they would have won see, that Fred, game. Okay, Did you see his passes yesterday? He yeah. had a couple more sidearm. Yeah. Side he, he had one where there was a guy standing directly mm-hmm. in front of him, yep. and he threw it around, he he around curved, the guy. It. it was unbelievable. What, what's the movie where they curve the bullets when they shoot? They they throw the arm, and then they the bullet like curves the, the trajectory. Matrix, not the, no, I was just saying not the Matrix. The Matrix it's, uh, oh, what is Trouble that movie? Curve. It was like really cool it's at the time. It's not trouble with the yeah, curve. That's an old yeah, baseball well, movie. Yeah. Yes, it's it not is. an old baseball movie. No. It's a baseball movie that old people saw. Yeah, you, you only saw it. Oh, oh, Eric's got it. What? It's called Wanted. Yes. And I know wanted. exactly what you're oh, talking Angelina about. Oh, Angelina Jolie. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. curves the ball, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's but what uh, I, Patrick Mahomes is. He was amazing. I have been to the alternate, the Rick and Morty alternate uh, timeline, the alternate yeah. universe. The Bears have Patrick Mahomes, and they won the playoff game. That's what the alternate timeline suggests. Can we do this? We've got a couple minutes here. Were, how we worried were you yesterday that he was hurt? Because he looked, oh, he, yeah, yeah, the he knee. Looked, his knee stud. came down on the helmet He's of the other stud. guy. <laughs> okay, can we do this for a second? Yeah, go ahead. All the Trubisky truthers. Now listen, he was good this year. I agree. He was good. He was decent. If he was better in the playoff game, they probably win that playoff game. Mm-hmm. We can get into that if you all want to do that. Uh, but can we also get to this? Every person who feels the need to defend Mitch Trubisky till well, till the end of time, you ever notice that all they can do is quote you stats, and some of the stats that they quote aren't even relevant. Like no one's ever saying, "Did you see this? I think this. I think that." It's always, "Well, if you look at this stat, he's ranked twelfth in QBR, and he must be the best of all time." No, 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 no. The, the, the brilliance to sports is that we take the stats, we take our eyeballs, we match them together. And right. if, it, if it matches and they overlap together and it looks right, then we say, yeah, that guy's probably pretty good. Not at, at all times, the eyeball test doesn't match with Mitch Trubisky, and that's where the questions lie. Right. We get it. He has a good completion percentage. We get it. His QBR was fantastic. Mm-hmm. We understand that. The offense didn't put up the points that they needed to. Yeah. Who gets blamed for that? It's not Trubisky, apparently, because he has this QBR that I'm unaware of. So, like, when you want to have the conversation, take both, put them together. That's why Mahomes is so crazy is because the eye- eyeball test tells us 
He's probably elite, and he's probably something we've never seen before, and the numbers back it up. Do you think that comparing, uh, if you're going to compare quarterbacks, comparing Trubisky to Goff is better than comparing him to Mahomes? Absolutely. Because Goff won yesterday, but he didn't perform all that well. No, and, he didn't and, do a lot of great stuff. He threw a couple of passes over the middle on completions, which Mitch has done in the past. Sure. You know, he didn't do anything special yesterday, I didn't think. No, he didn't. There were some numbers in the Sun-Times. This probably comes to your, your point. Trubisky this year improved in every major statistical category from his rookie year, which you would expect him to do. Right. Absolutely. Different. He, I mean, I, I'm also an wait- offense that actually throws the ball. Right. And I'm also waiting for the kicker that every every Trubisky uh, supporter has to bring out. That's the greatest in Bears history. Yeah, I don't have that one. But he, he didn't throw an oh. interception in the last four games. But good, three of which the, is th- good. Three of them could have been intercepted. But you know what? They weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can't say, hey, this guy threw six almost interceptions. He has they the highest. Count. He has the highest. What, it's called possible turnover rate. So there was that list that came out, I believe, two weeks ago from uh, it was on uh, Pro Football Focus okay. that ranked the quarterbacks. They did their final quarterback ranking, and he was towards the bottom. And they they said it was because of probable turnover rate. And okay. what that means is are those almost interceptions, those dropped yeah. interceptions, those balls that are overthrown or underthrown that could be picked. And Basically, he he's been lucky. Yeah, because when you're the leader in that category, it means that. Def- Defenses are not taking advantage of the mistakes you're making. So is, he, is he at the top because he's got the third best QBR in the league? No. Is he at the bottom because he has the most intercept or probable intercepted rate? No. no. He's somewhere in right. the, he's he's like somewhere in the fi- middle. 15, and there, and this, 16. This ties into that. But by the way, I, I really like pro football focus when it when it suits me. But I also remember that Pro Football Focus also has Adrian Amos as the best strong safety to ever, or, or free, strong safety to ever play the game yes, in the NFL, and that is why Fred, you are a Pro Football Focus truther because yeah, okay, so by I their metrics, but their but their metrics, yeah, it's bad. But also, Trubisky is not also the worst quarterback in the league. Well, like, here, that's what's wrong with stats, Fred? Ninety-five point four passer rating, sixteenth. You talk about middle, sixteenth Six. is yep. smack dab in the middle, and that's a good stat. It's better than Jay Cutler's career best. Yeah. Well, there you go. And, you know, Fred, you bring up uh, quarterback rating. The quarterbacks around him at that spot, you have Ben Roethlisberger, who's 15. At 17 is Cam Newton. 18 is Derek Carr. I think that's a guy that you should probably be comparing Trubisky to. Mm -hmm. Ryan Tannehill was 20. That's another guy that I think you should be comparing Trubisky to. Eli Manning, Marcus Mariota, Nick Mullins, Jameis Winston, Matthew Stafford, all behind Trubisky. So, like, I listen, he's right in the middle. Uh, will he get to that elite level? I I have my questions about that right now. Right. But he was good this yeah. year. All we know is that he's just you completed know, you, his second year in the NFL. Yeah, and so, for anyone yeah. to tell us that he's the best quarterback in Bears history based on a QBR stat, this is the deal. Bears quarterback history has been terrible. Yes, it has. That, that's what that yeah. stat means. It doesn't mean much, anything about right. Mitch Trubisky. It means them, more about the history of this team. Yeah. He didn't cost them any games, but he didn't. He also didn't win them the playoff game. Which, if he would have been a better quarterback, like if Patrick Mahomes would have been, they might have had a better chance in that well, game. And, and again, I, all his play ties in to me to Matt Nagy's play calling. Yeah, because I thought it was bad. If you're going to double double move a guy, do it. In the second quarter. Don't wait till the middle well, of the third quarter. He was protecting him. He was mm-hmm. protecting his quarterback. That's yeah. what he was doing. Well, we're going to get to a couple of calls. We are going to talk some basketball with Malika Andrews. Uh, the Bulls did something yesterday. Gave, gave a coach a contract. Uh, we'll talk about that and more. Eric Edholm of Pro Football Weekly joins us at around 1110 right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day. Only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. 
Welcome back in. We're going to talk some basketball in a little bit. Malika Andrews is going to join us from ESPN. Uh, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Huebner here till noon. Um, we will also talk with um, Eric Edholm around a little after 11 o'clock. The, the Tribune today, front page of the Tribune, and I know some people look at it online, is a big thing. And, of course, they were doing bears. Worst to first to cursed. Was is what uh, it says, and I'm holding it up for the guys here. All right. And the reason it says that is, since realignment, only six of 23 teams that make a big turnaround followed that with another playoff berth. Only four of those six uh, defended division titles. So they're saying, which is something we know, it's not easy. Once you, I mean, think about it. The Rams and the Eagles didn't the Eagles last year go worst to first, and the Rams did, I think. I think they both went worst to first last year, and now they're both still involved in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So they've both done very well. But it's not easy. And a lot of times it comes down to, and I know Mike Golick mentioned it, uh, it's hard for the Bears who had 36 or 37 takeaways. You can't predict that you're going to have that again. I mean, no. You, there's, there's no way to practice. Let's, let's, let's keep those takeaways up. Uh, you're going to try. You're, yeah, that's, you'd love that, to do that. And, well, that and you can't guarantee that this team is going to be as healthy, healthy. as it was last year. Like yep. they got very. I know in the playoff game they didn't have Trey Burton or Eddie Jackson, but ultimately for the season they were one of the healthiest teams in the NFL after being one of the unhealthiest teams in the NFL the two years prior. Yeah, did it bother you that Eddie Jackson was dressed and standing on the sideline? No, because they had the roster spot open, and if they like, if Trey Burton would have dressed, he wouldn't have dressed. Okay, but then so why don't had, you dress? Then why don't you dress Javon Wims or I don't know Kevin White or somebody else that actually could go on the field? Because it, it was apparent that Eddie Jackson could not go on the field. So why have him in uniform? You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I don't understand what the point was. It made that much of a, but no, it had no, that no, much of a difference have. to have Javon Wims in there. It, it, it may not have. But Javon Wims caught four passes, what, a week or two before that? and I mean, it would have at least given you another guy. Because mm-hmm. Eddie Jackson, all he did was stand on the sideline and pound his helmet on the ground a couple times. Yeah. And I love Eddie Jackson. I was hoping he'd be ready to play. We were all hoping for the last three weeks that he'd be ready to play. And he wasn't. And that, that obviously was huge, too. So, yeah, I'm still thinking about your stat. I'm sorry, Fred. Uh, so the team, Jacksonville is a team that w- was in the playoffs that finished last this season, right? That's the one team. Yeah. That then bounced back to the bottom. And as we go forward, uh, in each and every year, Fred, it's not guaranteed. No, they've got a great, I mean, the Tribune's got a great graph in the middle. They do it each and every year all the way back. Mm-hmm. And right. it's it's actually very cool. Uh, it says worst to first, four of 23. Worst to first to first. Right. Four of 23. Bounce up. Yeah. So that, that means someone has to come back down. Right. Uh, so Jacksonville was a team that went from first getting to the AFC championship game and then bouncing back to the bottom. I'm looking at the teams in the playoffs this year. If we had to guess who's the most likely team to bounce back down into the bottom, who was in the playoffs this season, uh, would it be perhaps Dallas? Is it either Houston or Indy? It could be Houston again. Baltimore? Or Balt well The it, Patriots finally? Do you think do you think the Lamar Jackson's gonna be able to continue? Uh see you know, see that's the problem with, with the Ravens is you can't play like that forever. You wouldn't think so. No. Yeah. Um I would assume that the Chargers and the Chiefs are probably gonna be pretty good next year. Right. Uh the Colts seem like they've kind of figured things out. 
the Texans, yeah, defense maybe getting a little old. Uh, they got to get a better running game. In the NFC, I mean, the Eagles with Carson Wentz healthy, you would think they're still going to be the best team in the NFC East going forward. Um, in the NFC North, I think we all agree that the Bears should be the best team mm-hmm. in the future uh, rankings as we're doing it here. Um, the Saints, uh, we all think we'll get to the Super Bowl probably. And then in Seattle and the Rams in the NFC West. See, like that's why it's so tough. Because I don't think anyone this time last year would have said Jacksonville is going to be a last place team next year. No, not not before their playoff loss. No, At, when when their playoff loss, they looked really bad. Their secondary was really bad in their playoff loss. I thought, um, but, you know, the the writing was on the wall though because yeah. they were so heavily reliant on that defense and turnovers, and their quarterback was trash. And so then you spin it forward to this season, and you get into the year, and the turnovers don't come to you like they did the year before because you're playing a tougher schedule because you have a first place schedule and then now the defense takes a step back a little bit more Moore's relying on the quarterback is the quarterback good enough to take you forward and that's where you get Jacksonville being a last place team and all kind of snowballed on them so what team like I would say it's probably the Ravens right because I don't think Lamar Jackson is a stud quarterback I think he was good enough to get them through the end of the season but I don't trust him going forward that that has to be the team right well, then I don't see, like, the Steelers aren't going anywhere. The Bengals might be better. Ah, Cleveland's on the come. And I don't Cleveland know about the Steelers. Be better, yeah. I don't yeah, know about I, the Steelers. I Fred. I don't know about the Steelers either, but the Browns should be good going forward. Yeah, and if you look in the NFC, I think, I don't know, the Seahawks to me, I don't know if they're going to be worst. They're going to go first to worst. They're going to go, like, in they're, that. The margins think, are flimsy for the Seahawks. Exactly. They yeah. have to be really good at what they do, and if they have any issue to, like, injuries or, or you know, Whatever takes case, that that may not be the team that because the Forty ers should be better. They but then look be. at the seven then, and nine teams that could make the playoffs next. I mean, you've got the Falcons, the Redskins. I mean, the Falcons should be in the playoffs again next year. You would think with all of the the offensive firepower that they have, that they should be able to make the playoffs next year. That this that they just I don't I don't agree year. with you on that. I don't know. You know what? In the, in the 11 o'clock hour, we'll talk to Eric Edholm, but we'll also take a look, and I don't see anybody. We'll also take a look at who you think may go from worst to first because I'm looking here, and last year, for last year, this year, we had yeah. the Texans and the Bears. This year, I don't see anybody. We'll there's, talk about there's, that. There's one team. And that team uh, may get a quarterback early in the draft. And that, that's the team I would I would put my money on. Well, we'll talk about that at 11 o'clock hour. We come back some hopes. Malika Andrews will join us. We'll talk some bulls, and we'll talk a lot of other things. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, – we, we may even get into the uh, fan voting of the NBA playoffs or NBA All-Star game. That's always a fun thing, for Derrick Rose at least. Uh, we'll talk about that much, much more. Black and Abdallah, along with Hubner here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. We talked about courage before the game and after a difficult loss, um, coming into a tough building. Obviously, this is a hard back-to-back. You know, nobody's feeling sorry for us, no excuses, and I thought we battled. But I'm, I'm proud of our group, and I thought we responded uh, from a difficult game uh, last night. Don't you give up? Nah, nah, nah. I will give up. Well... That was either Jim Boylan or the lion from the from the Wizard of Oz talking about courage. Courage. I'm just going to let that breathe, Fred. I'm going to let, let you uh, hang out there with the Wizard of Oz. Simba? Joke. I, I like that. Yeah, Simba. Courage to take the floor after a 146-109 loss yeah. to the Warriors. Oh. He had courage. 
And where was that against the Warriors the other night? Yeah, yeah, there was no courage there. Uh, learning Chris Black, by learning by watching. <laughs> and, <laughs> Is that what Javari Parker's doing? We'll get to that in more. Uh, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner talking a little bit of Bulls and NBA. Malika Andrews, nice enough to join us from ESPN. Now, Malika, how are you today? I'm doing fine. When you said courage, I kind of heard it in the, the Princess Bride marriage voice. Like, courage <laughs> is what brings us together today. <laughs> there you go. Everybody's, everybody's got their own their own little uh, definition. Listen, a lot of people on Twitter yesterday were going crazy uh, criticizing the Bulls organization because they finally put it out there that they've agreed to their uh, deal with Jim Boylan. This was expected, wasn't it? I mean, they, they had announced yeah. that he was going to be here, but they just never announced uh, a contract signing. This wasn't unexpected, was it? Sure. And I mean, this was also in the works. You know, this is something that those of us who've been around the Bulls have known um, was co- a deal was coming for, for sort of a, a couple of weeks now. And when he was announced, uh, he wasn't announced as interim head coach. He was announced as the head coach of the Chicago Bulls. Um, and when we asked him initially when he was hired whether or not his contract would end up being restructured um, because he was making, uh, you know, that 850000 as a associate head coach, um, he sort of said, you know, that's something that I'm going to let my agent handle. We'll wait and see. Um, but it sort of was uh, expected that, that that number would bump up with the, with the elevated title. And so this isn't something that blindsided anybody or should have blindsided anybody. And the, also, the other thing is when you look at the contract, it's through the end of this year and partially guaranteed for next year. That's not anything that is um, too set in stone if the franchise decided to go a different direction. Um, so I don't think this is something that fans should be necessarily surprised by. What is the uh, general mood? Of, like, what do players think of Jim Boylan around the league? Should the Bulls decide to bring him back next year and they're trying to acquire free agents in the offseason? What, what do players around the league that aren't on the Bulls think of Jim Boylan? I mean, look, I talked to a couple of different uh, players and coaches from different teams that the Bulls have seen in this ro- in, on this road trip and before, and the general consensus is right now it just looks like the Bulls aren't playing with very much spirit. And whether or not you can directly attach that to Jim Boylan or not, uh, it's kind of hard to say. But it does seem that, you know, he kind of came out of the gate very strong, and there are still some things that are um, expectations that are being adjusted since then. So I do think there is a skepticism of whether or not um, this is going to work out, and players uh, around the league and coaches around the league are just skeptical of, okay, what is the cohesive direction that the Bulls are going in right now? What is the identity of this team? Does that start with the players? Does that start with Boylan? Does that start with management? There's so many sort of uh, issues that it's hard to pinpoint just one. Um, but I do think that, yeah, there is a little bit of general skepticism around the organization in general. I'm not going to single Boylan out. I don't think that's necessarily fair to just say it's Boylan, just say um, that just say it's him, because I do think there are other uh, things at play here. But yeah, there's there's a general feel of, okay, what what are the Bulls doing over here? Last night, Jabari Parker played uh, 19 minutes, 11.7 rebounds. He hasn't played a lot as of late. Uh, what? How does this story end? Because he's been on the trade block for quite some time now, and it doesn't seem like there's any interest. How does the story with Jabari Parker end with the Chicago Bulls? I mean, $20 million is a lot of money to move, even if, it's a, even if it is an expiring contract, and especially um, if it's, you know, a player that has, you know, a ton of uh, offensive upside, but defensively he's been proven to be sort of a liability. Now Jabari said 
you know, the Bulls knew that when they signed me. Um, I haven't changed the player, and that might be true, but it's sort of figuring out that fit is tricky. I don't think Jabari comes back next season. It's going to end this season, whether that be uh, in a, uh, a buyout or a trade. They're actively looking to try to see, okay, how can we sort of uh, make this, uh, end agreeably for all sides, but the Jabari experiment didn't work in Chicago, and it's left him feeling like, okay, I'm no longer in the rotation. I sort of feel disrespected by my hometown team, and it's left the Bulls feeling like, okay, well, this isn't exactly the fit that we saw, and so now we have to figure out how to deal with it. So it, it's going to come to an end. It's going to come to an end this season, and hopefully, you know, Jabari finds a, a situation that's a little bit better suited for him. Malika Andrews with us talking some uh, basketball for just a couple minutes here on ESPN 1000. I got a question because I'm looking here, and over the last two nights, the Bulls lost 146-109 to the Warriors, 110-102 to to the Jazz. The Bull, the other team, the opponents have shot 39 more threes than the Bulls in the last two days. I kind of thought that, uh, you know, I know that Jim Boylan likes you know, getting to the basket and things like that. But haven't we learned that in this league, you, you need to shoot the three if you're going to con- contend in games? I mean, someone's got to. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> I think, you know, I, I, you know, you said that Jim Boylan likes to go to the basket. I think they're still trying to figure out what they like. You've got a team that is uh, supposedly had been built for the Fred Hoiberg model, which is a fast-paced offense and let the defense sort of, uh, hopefully, hopefully the, the sheer number of points you score will just, we can just forget about the fact that there aren't really any great defensive players aside from maybe, you know, Wendell Carter Jr., who's still a really young guy who's trying to kind of figure it out. Uh, I think under Boylan, the Bulls are still kind of trying to figure out what their uh, offensive identity is. But, yeah, we are in the age of the, the three-pointer, and I think the teams that even – were kind of slow to adopt that in the beginning or have a superstar like the Bucks who don't shoot uh, three-pointers have kind of built other guys to be doing so. Um, and that's not really the case with the Bulls. I will say, though, they've had so many guys injured, um, including you know guys like Lowry Markkinen who can shoot the three, uh, guys like Chris Dunn, that they're still kind of trying to figure out bringing people in and setting those guys up. And so now you know they're kind of starting to finally be healthy and maybe they're going to be able to figure out what it is that what sort of offensive system is going to actually work for these players yesterday in the afternoon outside of the nfl games going on the big story was in los angeles with blake griffin (laughs) returning to face the clippers you were there you covered the event and you saw the steve ballmer handshake pregame and blake (laughs) running off the court what'd you make of the whole situation i mean from I, I was not on the court when it first happened, but it, it seemed from all the camera angles pretty clear that whether or not Blake is saying that he, you know, doesn't stop for anybody at any point. And fine. If he wants to say that, that's, that's fine. But uh, he did see him and he chose to run off anyway. So it's like you can either choose to, you know, cameras are watching. You're going to choose to adjust your pregame routine. You can go say hi to him and then go make your last shot. And there's just so many other um, options that would have uh, made the optics of that whole scenario uh, come out better for everybody. And then when asked, you know, okay, so if it wasn't your pregame routine that is so sacred to you, which guys have that, and I, you know, I can't, I can't not, you know, whether it be the nap or the run or whatever, but if it hadn't been in that setting, would you have shaken his hand? And he said, I'm not going to answer hypothetical questions. And so that sort of tells you everything you need to know. Now, does Blake have some 
right to be a little bit frustrated with the way things ended in uh, Los Angeles? Sure, he was a franchise player here. He helped kind of turn that program around. But don't 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 lie and say that I'm not going to answer hypothetical. You have to, you know, kind of decide which side are you going to. And I think people can totally understand that his he might have been frustrated and said, no, I'm not going to shake Steve Ballmer's hands. Uh, but that's not what ended up playing out. Malika, we appreciate you jumping on for a few minutes. Hopefully, for your sake, Bulls basketball gets a little bit better sometime this year. Bulls Lakers, man. It's, it's coming to Los Angeles. <laughs> there you go. Thanks a lot, Malika. Thanks, guys. Malik Andrews from ESPN. And, uh, yeah, that's Tuesday, right? The Bulls-Lakers, they get a couple days off, I think. Yeah, and, you know, something we were talking about is uh, three-point shooting with the Chicago Bulls. And it's been bad, and it's been an issue for the last couple of years. Not only the attempts, but also where they rank in shooting percentages. It's something we've known. And, you know, we've done shows together for the last couple of years, guys. And you know... I always say each and every offseason, the number one thing this team needs to upgrade is shooting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have not addressed it each and every year. And I've been saying this for four years now. And to the point about Lowry Marketing, you have to look at him as your best shooter on the team. He needs more three-point attempts. In the month of January, he's only averaging 4.73 attempts a game. Yeah. He's only making 1.3 three-point attempts a game. One that for is 10 a, is that last is a problem. Games. He yeah. needs to shoot. He should be shooting six to seven to eight three-point shots a game. He needs to shoot more. He needs the ball in his hands more. And this back-to-the-basket nonsense that they're running with Jim Boylan is not going to help or develop anybody on this team going forward. It needs to change, and that's why the conversation about Jim Boylan possibly being here for next year is a concern because it doesn't look like the players on the floor right now who we have going forward are actually being developed. Since the Bulls uh, fired Fred Hoiberg on December 3rd, they are 29th in points per game, last in three-point attempts, last in offensive rating, and 28th in pace. They're doing well. Uh, you also don't have the stat, and I can look it up for you guys on the other side of the break. They're actually worse on defense since Hoiberg. 22nd in defensive rating. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, so there you go. So, yep. so for all that he's doing... Nothing is actually being developed right now. Yeah. No. That should be a major concern to Bulls fans. Black Abdallah Hubner, more football talk next side in the 11 o'clock hour right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner with you till 12 noon. Two games in the uh, playoffs yesterday. Chiefs a 31-13 win over the Colts, and the Rams knocked off the Cowboys 30-22. to We're going to talk with Eric Edholm in just a couple minutes. I wanted to get to the point, um, and Chris teased this. He says uh, there's a team that may be getting a quarterback. Um, last year, the Bears and Texas, uh, Texans, the Houston Texans went from worst to first. Um, we remember early in the, um, I don't know, maybe early before the season started, there was an article that came out said which teams would be most likely to go worst to first. Sure. And the Texans were listed as number one. The Bears were listed as the seventh yeah. uh, most likely. And as it turned out, the Bears got there. I'm looking now at the teams that finished in the bottom of each division. In uh, the AFC, it's the Jets, the Raiders, the Bengals, and the Jaguars. And in the NFC, it is the Giants, the Cardinals the Lions, and the Buccaneers. Now, first thought 
you would say, okay, well, the Jaguars went from being really good to real bad, so they would probably be the most likely if you're just looking at it. And I'm just looking at it by just listing off the fourteen, you know, the eight teams and going from there. But you had mentioned that there there's a team that may be getting a uh, a quarterback that could be helping them out. Yeah, and I I think what you'll see is as we head toward the towards the draft and when the draft picks are made, uh, I agree. Jacksonville uh, picking seventh. They probably will be in that conversation because if they end up getting a quarterback, uh, you'll say, oh, yeah, they have all the pieces. Now, if they can figure it out with this rookie quarterback, they'll right. probably be pretty good. Uh, the problem is, what if a team scoops them and takes a quarterback before they pick at seven? And that team, I would point to, would be picking sixth, the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. Because I think the Giants have the weapons. I think they're a pretty decent team, even though they right. were in last place. Yeah. And their division is in flux every year. Every year. Each year, there's never the same division winner. How surprised were like, you there were two teams in the playoffs from the same league? Yeah, right. Like, well, I mean, think about it. That was supposed to be the AFC North. Yeah. But the Vikings and the Packers choked it away. So, uh-huh. so I, I think if we look at the Giants, I would say right now, today, they would be the candidate I would pick to be most likely to go from worst to first. In the NFL, because because they probably end up getting a quarterback. Yeah. They figure out the quarterback position. It's not Eli Manning going forward, and then somehow they they end up being better than the other teams in their division because it seems like each year they cannibalize themselves. If you look at a lot of mock drafts too, they have uh, the Giants taking Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State, and he put up great numbers this year, and seems like the most NFL ready quarterback. That's like. Ready to come in and start right now right. and would be successful. Now, Kyler Murray entering the draft may throw a, a wrench into those plans of, of them taking Dwayne Haskins because they might have their Giants might have their choice. But ultimately, if they do take a quarterback, then you have to make a decision on Eli Manning. And, you know, if you're doing what's best, best for your team and you have a chance to be a playoff team, yeah. you look at what the, what the Ravens did by comparison and they, that's how they got to the playoffs by putting in Lamar Jackson. And when, when it was time, um, for Joe Flacco to come back, they said, well, th- we're winning with this guy. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, that's the biggest question I would have is it, would the Giants actually be a team that would sit Eli for a rookie quarterback and let that rookie quarterback, whoever it may be, uh, take the snaps at the beginning? You you talked about Kyler Murray. We're going to talk about him a little bit more. Uh, but uh, Todd McShay said he's a mid-first-rounder. I think he's a first-round pick. I don't know mm. that he's the first overall pick. I think, you know, you, you look at the Giants, six. The Jaguars at seven. You've got the uh, Denver sitting at ten, possibly. Maybe they start to move up. But I, I think Dwayne Haskins right now would be the first quarterback off the board, and then Kyler. But I do think he's a first round pick, and a lot of people don't. Looking at him at five nine and change, I think the league is changing. The game is changing. We're looking at smaller quarterbacks who can make quick decisions, get the ball out, find with spread offenses, find receivers open right away and get it out it's different than the old day okay i asked you that question on friday yeah and he said five nine and change his i on uh, the google machine um brings up <laughs> the internet it brings up kyler murray at five eleven. now five nine is a big difference for a quarterback than five eleven is in my opinion i mean there aren't many five nine quarterbacks in the nfl i think it has to do with how you're built too you know, like and how you carry yourself, maybe. Or? Yeah, because like Baker Mayfield is six two. Okay, but wouldn't you say if you told a bunch of people like who's bigger, Baker Mayfield or Mitch Trubisky? I think Trubisky's an inch taller, mm-hmm. 
But like, but you wouldn't. You, you wouldn't everyone guess would it. say, "Oh, Mitch Trubisky by far is taller than Baker Mayfield." They're, they're pretty much the same. Does Kyler Murray? I mean, carry himself as a? I mean, more low to low to the ground quarter. I mean, it sounds weird, but a low to the ground quarterback. I mean, is he thick? Is that what guy, you're asking? Well, think think about it. Like Jared Goff. Jared, <laughs> I got a bell to the left. I don't know how yeah. tall Jared Goff is, but when yeah. he's standing in the pocket, he looks like he's six five. Yeah, lengthy. He may be six five. Yeah, same with Josh Allen. Certain yeah. guys, certain guys just look tall in the pocket, and some of the Kyler. Murray, I don't know if it's the way the uniform fits him. The way the baseball uniform fits him, he looks like he's 5'6". Yeah, right. he does look short. Yeah, So he looks really short. But also some receivers, I think, look short. To me, Julio Jones always looks short. He's not. He's like 6'2". 6'2 mm-hmm. half. But, you know, if in fact Todd McShay is right, I don't care how good Kyler Murray was in college. If you're a five nine quarterback, that's going to be tough. I mean, I, I don't know if he's five. He's listed at five eleven, I believe. In yeah, some places, says here five eleven. So. I've seen five ten. I mean, are you measuring with cleats? Are you measuring without cleats and all that kind of stuff? Ultimately, it's what's going to matter is can he get the ball out quickly? Can he play? Can he be accurate? Can he create plays uh, when he's flushed out of the pocket like he did at Oklahoma? He had the best offensive line in college football in front of him, so he had that hours. Helps. Hours to throw the football back there. So, and whenever, and you saw in the, in the playoff game when Alabama got pressure on him, he was able to roll out and create plays. He's good when he rolls out. He's got that Aaron Rodgers like ability where when he's on the move, he's still very accurate. So I think his game does, from watching a a, a few Oklahoma games, as many as I could uh, Oklahoma games, it looks like his game could translate. Now, if he's trying to decide between Baseball and football, that's a conversation we can have as, have as well. Right. I mean, ultimately, I think football is the better, well, the better it's, choice. It's the easier way to make money, money quickly. quickly. Um, yeah. So, you First know, four or five years, he'll have it's millions. It's Todd, Todd McShay is dead on on this, and he probably isn't a top level pick, but because teams get desperate, he will go a lot higher in the draft than he should in the yeah. first round. So, like, if you look through the first round, once you get past like 13, the Miami Dolphins, Almost all of the teams below have quarterbacks. That point have a quarterback. Fifteen, you could argue the Redskins probably need a quarterback for the future because Elk Smith and his broken leg. But everyone else behind have quarterbacks, so he will go a lot higher than say middle of the first round. And I, you know, that's where you look at teams like you know the Cincinnati. Think about it. Jacksonville at seven. The Giants at six. Um, you know, like that's where it gets interesting with Kyler Murray because he probably will be around that ten yeah. range, and he's being afforded a, a a better option because I would probably say that Justin Herbert would have probably been the first quarterback taken out of Oregon, but since he's going back, I mean Haskins is pretty good, so I, I would think he would be like the third quarterback up if Herbert was yes. coming into the but draft. Where, where, where did the uh, where did the other quarterback from Ohio State go? He transferred to no, no. Um, well, the, oh. the one that was there a year. He's in the NFL now. He's back, backing up somebody, isn't he? The, the quarterback that got him there. With the, oh, uh, Barrett. Yeah, where's he at? He's yeah, somewhere he's in the NFL, up. right? And I believe so. Okay, well, we'll figure it out. Yeah, actually, our next guest will probably know. Eric at home from Pro Football Weekly. I don't mean to put him on the spot. As Eric joins us, Eric, how are Eric, you today? Quick. Where's JT Barrett? <laughs> JT Barrett was actually had a really interesting statistic this year. He was signed and released from the Saints practice squad like 10 times this year. So he was he was the guy he was like um who's the receiver from Wyoming the Bears have they you know they cut him and they Tanner Gentry back. Tanner Gentry <laughs> yeah. right yeah he's, he's the Tanner Gentry uh, of uh, Big 10 quarterbacks in the NFL I think. So he's 
you know, he's trying to get his foot in the door, but it, but it's hard with, you know, Breeze and Bridgewater and all those guys. There's, I got to tell you guys, first of all, I'm very lucky. I, up until about two and a half minutes ago, my phone was buried under a snowbank. I was outside playing with my kids. So I was furiously digging to find it as I knew you guys were going to call me. So this is a close call here. It, it's sounding very good. So you may want to do that good. more often, actually. Um, so did anything surprise you yesterday? The, the, the number one and number two seeds, uh, number one in the uh, AFC and the two in the NFC, the Chiefs and the Rams, both coming away winners. The Colts and the Cowboys were both excited to get to the second week. And now they're going home anything surprise you about those games yesterday maybe not the results the final you know who won and all that but it was kind of how they did it i mean i think the chiefs winning with defense right i mean setting the early tone not needing a, a banner day out of patrick mahomes i mean he's great you know he's, he's making throws that you know like he does every single week but it was really the defense the run game and then oh yeah mahomes travis kelsey hill and all those guys so you know, for them to completely shut down the Colts until the final couple minutes of the first half, and even then they missed the field goal, you know, it just had to be demoralizing. The Colts haven't played great outside in, in, in elements this year, but I think even that was shocking. And then in the night game, I mean, look, I, you know, all this talk about the high-flying Rams offense, I mean, they were, they were grinding it out. They went kind of big-boy football a little bit, and, and I didn't necessarily see that coming against the Dallas team that had stopped the run pretty darn well, so... Yeah, it was sort of the way they did it. You know, C.J. Anderson, Damian Williams, you know, we we didn't necessarily (laughs) peg these guys as game changers. When we look at the games today, the first one up, the Chargers at the Patriots. Do the uh, L.A. Chargers have enough to take down Tom Brady and Bill Belichick at home? I think they do, but I think also, you know, you have to say with the caveat of how many times have the Patriots made a lot of us look stupid over the years and then making these predictions, oh, their time has come, well, you know, this time it really looks that way. I mean, I don't know how much you can achieve in a bye week uh, in terms of getting Brady healthy, getting Gronk healthy. Today could be his final NFL game. I mean, keep, keep that in mind. Julian Edelman hasn't had a good year coming off the ACL and the suspension, just sort of looked rusty all year at times. So I, can this New England offense score 24, 27, 28 points, like, you know, like, you know was, which used to be kind of the – the benchmark for them. That was like the, the low end for them. This Chargers defense, they can rush the passer with four. They've got big, versatile, athletic defensive backs. I, I just I worry about their speed and playmaking ability really disrupting what New England does offensively. Who do you think is the best team left in the playoffs? Great question. You know, and I, I take a risk here because they haven't won a game yet, but the Saints <laughs> look pretty darn good to me. I mean, you know... I realize they haven't been the same offensive team down the stretch. Breeze didn't really exactly, you know, bring it into the, the garage at full speed uh, before he got the Week 17 off and then the bye. And maybe that layoff hurts them. Who knows? Maybe it ends up helping like it has almost every other playoff team so far. But except one notable one, we won't mention that one, of course. But, uh, yeah, I just I look at their team and I say they're pretty well balanced top to bottom. Decent special teams. A pretty darn good defense, all things considered. They'll give up plays, but they're they're a big play defense. And then that offense, when it gets cranking, is darn good. Now, if the Chiefs play anywhere close defensively to what they did yesterday, I, I absolutely could change my mind to them. 
Where did the Chiefs defense come from, or was it just the Colts were that bad? Because you look at it, um, Andrew Luck had one fumble all year long, and another one yesterday. He was sacked three times. They batted down four balls at the line of scrimmage. They defended uh, nine passes, either batted or defended. The Chiefs defense going in, everyone's talked about it and said, "You listen, you know they're going to have to outscore the opponent because their defense can't stop anybody." And in those big games throughout the course of the year, we've seen that in prime time. They're defense couldn't stop anybody how, how did that yeah. change yeah no it's I, they looked their their coverage looked really strong in the secondary it may have gotten away with a couple pis but that didn't change the game and you know it, it to me felt like their defensive front with chris jones and d ford and justin houston and all those guys just outplayed a colts offensive line that had been very good all year long you know Three first-round picks that group finally came together. They used to, you know, they get the ball out of Luck's hands really fast. It wasn't really happening yesterday. They dominated their one-on-one battles, overwhelmed Luck. He didn't look good with pressure yesterday. So it starts up front for them. I mean, if they don't get that pressure, I don't think the secondary looks nearly as competent as it did yesterday. That's been a problem area all year long. So it's it's required that they get that kind of pressure to be successful, I believe. So on Friday night, the Bears announced that Chuck Pagano will be their next defensive coordinator. How should Bears fans feel about uh, Chuck Pagano taking over for Vic Fangio? Yeah, I know a lot of people have said, oh, you know, he was a terrible head coach and all this. I mean, look, you know, three straight years in his first three years of coaching, he was 11-5. and five. You know, they, they you know, did a little bit of work in the playoffs, never got home the way that some people maybe thought they should, but... You go back to what he did in Baltimore, and it was such a great coaching staff that he was on. I mean, he really did have to wait his turn. I mean, think about all the the great assistants that were there who ended up going on to be coordinators elsewhere or head coaches elsewhere. Chuck got his turn, had his one year, had a top-five unit, one that, you know, in some earmarks are, are similar to what the Bears have, I think. Good up front, playmakers on the back end, fast, instinctive, versatile linebackers. I mean... Some differences, but the same kind of uh, makeup, I would say. So if you start from that one year in Baltimore and say he had good pieces to work with and he used them well, I think it's a pretty good hire. Chuck's known for his secondary work. That's really what he came up as. He was a you know, he was a safety in college, and he coached defensive backs, all those great Miami teams for years when they started becoming the U. It really did start with their speed on defense, their instincts, their playmaking ability. So... You know, a guy like Eddie Jackson, obviously Kyle Fuller and all those guys, I think they're set up for success, not that the other people aren't, but I think it starts back there. What letter grade would you give Mitchell Trubisky in his first year under Matt Nagy? It's a great question. Uh, You know, without having gone all the way back through and watched every throw, I plan to do it at some point just to, you know, sit down on some cold day and see if I can crank out 550 throws or something like that, but... (laughs) Somewhere between a C plus and a B minus. I think he was decent. I think there were obviously some some throws, maybe two dozen throws that were pretty darn bad, and a couple dozen that were pretty impressive, including a couple at the end of that playoff game. Look, I know it didn't end the way that Bears fans hoped or expected, but there was at least some signs in that game after kind of a rough start that you know you you, you can't stop what you're doing with this guy. The progress has been shown this season. You know, I'm, there's a lot of pressure on him next year, no doubt. But if Anthony Miller progresses, they get more out of the tight end position. They find an expanded role for Tariq Cohen. If Allen Robinson's another year uh, past the ACL, 
you know, there's some 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 real talent out there that he can work with, and, and I'm just I'm curious to see what his ceiling is. I don't think it's exceptionally high, but I think it's you know above what we saw this season. Eric, we appreciate you jumping on. Glad your phone's okay, and <laughs> we'll be talking to you down the road. Thanks a lot. All right, see you, fellas. Eric Edholm, nice enough to join us for a few minutes here talking some uh, NFL playoffs. And, uh, yeah, two more games coming up today. The Senior Bowl, some people are calling it. The Chargers and Patriots, Rivers 37, Brady 41 uh, years old. And I don't know about you guys. I just want to see, and I'm glad both you, uh, Chris, and mm-hmm. uh, Mike Golick Jr. both referred to them and called them properly the Los Angeles Chargers because I had to write it down because I would have <laughs> d- definitely called them San Diego and I probably have already well, once or twice today. Well, if we go uh, behind the fourth wall here on, on the show, uh, in true disclosure fashion, uh, yeah. on Friday night, you called them the San Diego Chargers twice. Okay, I knew I, I, knew I, I would. I, but, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to be that guy and be like, Fred, you're wrong, blah, 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 blah. No, you can always correct me on those things. You can yeah, always correct me on that. Listen, they're in Southern California. It's yeah. close enough, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. most people in LA don't even want them there. So. No, apparently. And sure. get off my soccer field. Wait, isn't there something also about, um, if they had to host the championship game. They were thought it thinking was about, talk moving, about it. moving the game yeah. to the Coliseum because yeah. they didn't want to have the but AFC championship game in a soccer stadium. But I don't know how that would work because if the Rams host, yeah, there would have been logistics. You, you to can't figure out do about. that because you play the games back to back on one day and you can't move a game to Saturday. What if no. the final four was just all in one stadium? And you can't do that. There's because two, you have fans, you'd have to empty it. Like a, it's not even the like fans. Like a day-night double I mean, listen, it's you see that Rams fans. game last night? It was 50-50, so... It's not even the fans. It's not. That's the easy part. The logistics of moving in and out two football teams is the problem. All the equipment, all the personnel. Like this, it's not like It's not like a basketball team just rolling up with their gym bags and then heading out. Like they have a ton of stuff that yeah. each team brings in. I think you're making this more difficult day. than it needs no, to be. They, I'm not. It's already <laughs> difficult. I'm not making it more difficult. It's already difficult. You're scaring people outside. Yeah. I just, just welcome <laughs> to Chicago. Um, did you guys see the story from Adam Schefter this morning? No. Uh, the Miami Dolphins are eyeing a quarterback in the 2020 draft. You say, hold on. There's a 2019, there's a 2019 draft first. So the report from Adam Schefter is the Dolphins are already thinking about rebuilding and trying to land one of the, uh, quarterbacks from the class of 2020, which Tank includes Tua. Alabama's Tua Tungavailoa and Oregon's Justin Herbert, who we were just talking about. Now Herbert According, decided to go back for a senior year. Is that what yeah, it is? Okay. Yes. At Oregon. According to league sources told to Adam Schefter, Miami is eyeing a top 10 pick in the 2020 draft. According to people familiar with the team's thinking, the Dolphins recognize that losing likely will be part of next season and they will need to take some time to build a roster where they think they want it to be, according to sources. So basically, we have a team now coming out in the NFL suggesting that they are going to tank in a sport where it seems like it's very difficult. It is difficult to tank tank in football. Especially when you have a pretty... Listen, he's not good, but Ryan Tannehill is a capable quarterback. They're thinking they may not bring him back next year. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know what they would do with a quarterback. You start uh, Chad Henney and then you try and lose all the games, but it is pretty unusual in a sport like the NFL in football and in the NFL for a team Mm -hmm. to outright say, we hope we're going to be bad next year. For Tua Tungavailoa. Well, isn't that essentially, I mean, they didn't go out and say it, but isn't that essentially what the Raiders are doing? 
They traded away all their good pieces. They're going to be uh, bad. Listen, I, I think try, he's I'm trying not to, sure what the Raiders He's trying are doing. to acquire draft picks like he's, uh, I'm trying to make a reference, like he's Thanos. Yeah. Is that a, I, is that a I, thing? I, to get I, the jewels. Yeah, yeah. get the I, jewels. I think uh, John Gruden is uh, not doing a good job there. I think that's different. I think uh, bumbling away all your, your talent and, and trying to collect collect assets i think is but different they have than all these saying picks now and i would say that the quarterbacks but, besides dwayne haskins the quarterbacks next year are probably better than the quarterbacks this year i, I mean, agree you've got herbert you've got tongue of Iloa and but you won seven games you were in the playoff hunt for a, right. a good portion of the season it's not like you're a terrible football but team are we starting to see a shift where you get you get a situation where it's an NBA like mentality where it's like, well, what good does in the hunt do you? You either have to be a playoff team or you're not. And no. if you're not, if you know you're not, but if you're the Dolphins and you know you're not going to be a playoff team next year, then you might as well because you can go worst to first with a bunch of draft picks. The Dolphins had seven wins. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah, like, I don't. I, I disagree mean, with that. They I had think seven wins last year. They were pretty good. Year. They didn't the make premise, the playoffs, but they were pretty good. The premise of knowing you're not a playoff team is almost non-existent in the NFL. Right. We didn't. This Bears team was not a playoff team right. this time last year, so you can't go. It's hard to go into a season like that. Then what are they doing? Well, that's what it's it's hard to go into the season too. People talk about you know the Bears are playing a quote first place schedule next year. Yeah. The only thing the first place schedule means is they're playing the Saints and the Rams. Because they play a first place. That is team. a much tougher I, schedule, though. Well, I mean, it, they, the schedule is already pretty much done, and then you add those two teams, which is which is tougher. Uh, this year, the two teams they played because they finished last last year were the Giants and the Buccaneers. I'd okay. rather play those two teams than the uh, than the, the Saints, Saints and the Rams. Rams. Right. Yeah, right. But I mean, it's only two games out of sixteen. Yeah, but those two games, I know that they lost the uh, they lost the Giants game, yeah. but ultimately, if you if you say, well, the Saints and Rams are both better teams, so let's put two losses on that thing, that could keep the Bears out of the playoffs. That schedule could keep the Bears. Those two losses could ultimately keep the Bears out of the playoffs. Yeah, it could. They play at home. Your your home tickets would go for some money if you'd like to. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got, obviously, Green Bay, Minnesota, and Detroit. Then you have Dallas, the Giants, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Saints. Yeah, if you uh That's a pretty damn good home schedule. If you're a Bears fan and you love the Noon kicks, um sorry. I would guess that you're probably going to get four of those next season for the home games. You'll yeah. get the Lions, the Vikings, <laughs> maybe the Packers and the Giants. Probably the Giants, right? I would assume that Cowboys game will be a nationally televised game cuz both mm-hmm. teams made the playoffs this year. Sure. I would assume the Chiefs game will be a nationally televised game. The Chargers based on how they finish out that could also be a primetime game, and then you know the Saints game will be a, yeah. a primetime game. So but the networks can also protect a few of those and keep them at yeah, three so, if they so, want to. Yeah, so, Packers and Vikings will yeah. be will be a Fox game, yeah. but but it'll be on Sunday. Your road schedule is uh, Philadelphia, Washington, Denver, Oakland, and the Rams. And that Oakland game may be in England. Yeah, I don't I don't like any games in England. Unless you're the Jaguars can play as much as they like over Not there. In my America. America. Not in my America. We play football in this country. <laughs>
We play here in America. We'll grab a call. You want to jump on in? We'll talk some more about football. Also, we've got a great hockey call, which we would never usually do, but it's a really good one. A hockey call? Yes, someone's a hockey calling? call. No, not no, so. No. I looked at the phones, too. It's not someone calling. No, I was going to say, wow. No, no, no. A hockey call. Usually, call him a hockey usually game. Hawk fans don't call. No. Eddie's not calling in today. Right. Call him a hockey game. There's a one kid guy down in Florida that calls me and Murph all the time and wants to talk Blackhawk hockey. Oh, he's, he's not He's not calling today. He's the one. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a call from a hockey Hockey game, which oh. I think you'll, which I think you'll enjoy. A hockey highlight. That's right. It's uh, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hupner here on ESPN One Thousand. This is Chicago's game day only on ESPN One Thousand and ESPNChicago.com. This is more fun, actually, than talking football. We're sitting, we've, been, we've been sitting here discussing uh, beer t- beer styles over the last the uh, five, fun Fred has five, six minutes. Well, That's fun. Basically, what it is is I'm not much of a beer guy, and uh-huh. it's like a quiz show. I'm I'm asking you two, and you guys are having a beer snob off. No, we're not. Well, well you're, I you're drink informing me. You want. Yeah, yeah, you can drink whatever you want. Yeah, you're also trying to make me feel bad, but it's no. fine. I know what you're doing. Listen, you drink whatever you want to drink, man. You're like, you're like, Oh, wise you, man, you would like that one. Yeah, you a would. A wise man once told me drunk is drunk. So yeah, it is. Yeah, let's drink true. whatever you want, man. I'm just, a big, just get there, right? I'm a big fan of Guinness. I'm a big fan, as we talked about during the commercial break, or when we, the Hacker Shore of Ice Beer, and then uh, most of the stuff that Goose Island has, and, uh, you know, I got uh, some Next Coast IPA that uh, Todd Osman brought over the other day. And mm-hmm. it was flowing yesterday. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. I had a few of those. I yeah. had some Old Man Grumpies. Uh, old I Man had, Grumpy. Uh, I've sent them pictures oh. with, they, on Old Man Grumpy, they should actually have my head on the tap hand. That's funny. It makes they so much have, sense. They have a great, um, they have bear, bears style sweaters that say old man grumpy on it instead of bears that the, uh, all the employees were wearing yesterday. That was pretty cool. I missed the, uh, 2014 prop, which, uh, cause I was working. So two, uh, two weeks in a row on, on, on a, like a Thursday night, just for the heck of it. I had a, uh, different bourbon county. I had a bourbon county 16 and a bourbon county 17, uh, the last couple of weeks. And I've still got, uh, I still got a couple other ones sitting around. And uh, you really got to be spending a lot of time watching football, which today is a perfect day for it. They had a special one yesterday. It's normally called their uh, it's called their Park Porter. Okay, but they they had uh, it was called the Parky Porter. Yesterday. Yeah, yeah see, oh, see? very yeah. very nice. When that they would good. pour it, they would just pour it out the side of the glass. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Well, to be honest, like we showed up, we Abdal and I got there at like eleven thirty, uh-huh. yeah. and they were like. Guys, there have been people waiting here since like 7 a.m. Yeah. The first guy got in line at 6.40. And the last guy, they only took 100 people, 101 because they had the Waddle and Sylvie guy. But uh, the 100th person lined up around 9.30, I believe. And then they had to, otherwise there'd be people kicking there oh, all sure. day. They'd like, be there. The yeah. tap room was filled. It was, it was oh, awesome. It's a fun place. Uh, 312-332-3776, talking some football. Let's grab a couple of calls. People are jumping on in. Trucker Jim out in Los Angeles. Trucker, what's up? First off, off, now I got introduced to the Parker Porter. Yeah. Fall in love with it right away. Second, I pray that Oakland and Miami do not play next year because it would be a 0-0 tie. But I called, I mean, Fred, I love you, but you're like me, mature and handsome but still old school football. So this is more for Chris and yeah, Adam. Yeah. Okay. If 
Foles wins the next two games, gets to the playoff, offense great, defense shaky. How can you not throw Wentz into basically the draft by calling Denver and Jacksonville and saying we want Miller and your number one pick, we want a Jacksonville stud and a number one pick for Wentz because we're going to keep Foles because you can't get rid of a quarterback that takes you to back-to-back Super Bowl and automatic defensive help because any one of the top 15 picks this year is supposed to be a defensive all-pro. So why doesn't don't the Eagles put Wentz back in? He's only two years younger than Foles. And you, mean- you take the one bad year Foles had, he's got a way above average career with unbelievable playoff experience. I'll listen to you guys' advice on that. Thanks, Trucker. One more horn, Trucker Jim. Give the horn. You got it. Mm -hmm. There we go. Thanks, Trucker Jim. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, his point's not one that I'm sure the people in Philadelphia, or at least a lot of people, aren't thinking about. If Foles gets you all the way to the Super Bowl, how are you going to say, thanks a lot, Nick, we're going to just let you go. You can go sign wherever you want to. Adam Schefter has said on this station this week that the Eagles are married to Carson Wentz, Uh no matter what happens. Now... He also threw in the caveat, well, if they win the Super Bowl, it's a conversation you have to have. Right. Because ultimately, a guy wins you back to back Super Bowls, <laughs> you're not, it's going to be tough for the fan you base if go. you get yeah. rid of him. Well, that idea sounds good for one year because in 2019, the Eagles and Foles have a mutual option. And the Eagles can make the decision first on that. And then they have the right to extend Fold's contract through 2019 at the price of $20 million a year. So, okay, for one year, say you do that, you trade Carson Wentz. After 2019, you then have to give him a contract extension. So then you're going to have to give big bucks to Nick Foles when you had Carson Wentz that you're paying a lot of money to. So to answer Jim's question, I would say it's unlikely And I think what will happen is the Eagles will probably try and exercise the option and keep Foles, then then try to trade him Mm -hmm. and not Carson Wentz. They'll try and keep Carson Wentz for the long term, but they'll try and play off of the fact that if he wins the second Super Bowl, that we can trade this asset to the teams looking for a quarterback. That's what I would do. I would still still rock with Carson Wentz, and I would, even though, be grateful for what he did for the Eagles the last two years in the playoffs— I would st- I would still try and trade him. I think they try to trade him because I think their run ends today. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I also like, think this is a bit of a hypothetical that right. won't matter once we get to what like six o'clock tonight. Exactly. Yeah. He's so only when signed four years, twenty six million. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's but, a nice deal. But like, okay, remove Wentz from the conversation. Think about: Are you willing to pay Nick Foles money like that if he wins your wins again for you? I yeah, mean, but like. Unless you're one of those guys that says, and it's going to come up with Jared Goff, too, when Goff's time is up for a new contract. As Sean McVay, are you going to say, listen, I'm genius enough that I can put another quarterback in there. He can do the same thing Jared Goff is doing. Look, it's going to come up here. I know it is. Yes, it will. It's going to come up here. It'll come up here, too. I'm assuming that Trubisky will just get better with more time with Matt Nagy. I assume. I assume. But if this is who Trubisky is, if what we've seen is a guy who 
is can make throws and who can throw the ball accurately at times. But at times, it looks like he's going to overthrow guys and yeah. underthrow guys and, and have dropped interceptions and whatnot. Ultimately, you have to make a decision. Is this guy worth franchise quarterback money? Right. Or is Matt Nagy good enough as a play caller to where, well, we just draft a guy and just kind of recycle this this model. And the new model becomes... We draft a guy and keep him for a while until we figure out whether or not he's a franchise-type quarterback and just build up this monster defense and keep that as your bread and butter. And that's ultimately might be a model that a team goes with. And it could be you find a play caller like Sean McVay or Matt Nagy, and they might be able to get away with something like that. It's all about the cap space, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're going to dedicate 30% of your cap space to a quarterback and one player, not just the position, that means that player has to be good enough to make up for the deficiencies elsewhere on the roster. So the Bears have a luxury right now because Trubisky's on his rookie deal. Yep. When that deal is up, that's where they will have to make a decision to spend more money on Trubisky himself or continue spending on the rest of the team because what they've done to this point is fantastic because they can afford to spend elsewhere yeah. and not on the quarterback. And there's examples of other teams that have done this. I mean, you paid the staff. Detroit played, paid Stafford yeah. all his money. And I think you know, I was with well, you, but basically every single time a quarterback or every single yeah. time any any player signs, it's the biggest contract. In NFL no history, gonna, right, yeah. Because right. no one's going to sign a smaller contract. Right. It's like movies. Every time a new movie, a big movie comes out, it's the it, highest it's the biggest movie opening, yeah. Because yeah. movie pri- the price of tickets goes up and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, it's like that. Well, I, like Aaron Donald say, was the highest paid defensive player for 24 hours. Right. And then all of a sudden it was Khalil Mack. The next guy that signs will probably be the yeah. next, you know, the most highest play, I paid don't, player. I don't think anyone in this city would argue that Russell Wilson is a worse quarterback than Mitch Trubisky, right? We all would say that Russell Wilson is a better quarterback. Correct. Oh, yeah. In the yeah. state of Chicago, everyone yes. would say, yeah. I would think so. Russell Wilson's a better quarterback. Right. If you have any pause and you're saying, hey, Black and Abdallah, you guys are being haters again. Why wouldn't you extend Trubisky? Ask yourself this. Go back to when Russell Wilson was on his rookie deal and now his current deal where he's getting paid a lot of money. How does the Seattle Seahawks look? How does that team look, and how do they get through seasons? It has been a bigger struggle for them sure. in recent years ever since they decided to pay Russell Wilson. And not and their they, defense. And not <laughs> on defense. Right. It, it, it's a different life in the yeah. NFL. So just remember that in the back of your head when you're, you're – I'm, I think Trubisky will be here for 15 years. He's going to be great. Well, you know, he's got to play better if he's going to be worth that contract. Okay, we're going to take a break, but I wanted to make sure I played this because I teased it. Um, oh, yeah, hockey. Hockey. Uh, you know, we love hockey. That's what I was, that's the response I was expecting. Well, I wasn't going to argue with it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's no. a great sport, we, right? We, yes. we love, correct. We love yes. hockey, especially when you win three out of five or three out of six yes. years and you win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. But another guy likes hockey a lot. He was in the broadcast booth with the LA Kings. And it was Snoop Dogg. Hands up. Oh, watch oh. out. Oh, he stole on him. He's five on Cubs. Hold on now. Oh, get it cracking then. Let's go. Snoop Dogg in the house. Let me see some. Drop the sticks, man. Let's get cracking, man. To the middle of the rink. Let's go. Number three wanted. I like that. Who was number three for us? Dion foot up. Dion, go get cracking, Dion. Yeah, him. go get him, Dion. Get him, Dion. Move, Dion. Get out the way. Go get him. Here we go, go get him. Still, still charring with him. Well, chirping. Okay, right, right. I like that. So when they do get into a competition like that, the referee has the the, the sole control power to say, y'all not going to fight, right? Mm. They can tell you that. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, they listen right there. Yeah, yeah. 
See the big boys get in, the linesmen. Those guys have the toughest job. Okay, all right, all right. So that was just mushing going on. It was more mushing than yeah, fighting. Yeah. Face wash. Okay, all right, wash. all right, all right, all right. Those gloves are stinky. That's why I love this sport, man. That's why I love this because you got to be a 100% man to play this, man. The more, the more you hear and the more you see Snoop, the more you like him. Yeah, I just I, I'm going to give props to Snoop hearing Ludacris in the background and then matching his play-by-play call with Ludacris in the PA system in the stadium. I love that because that would be exactly how I did play-by-play. <laughs> like, oh, oh, he just got hit in the face, in the face. Like, I would just be yelling stuff because I have no idea how to call hockey. Especially if it's TV. Yeah. So we had to play Snoop, but we'll get back a couple of callers. We'll gra- see if we can grab you before we get out of here. It is Black Abdallah Hubner here on ESPN 1000. Drop the sticks, man. Let's get crazy. Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. It's Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Huebner with you. I miss uh, Steve Michael McMichael. Already? Yeah, already. So do I. Just one week. Yeah. Yeah. You know, bears. I'm not a prophet. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I mean, I he's Clark he's still around. <laughs> yes, he is. He's just not here with us. You can go to yeah. Mongo's out in Romeoville, yeah, and I'm sure he'll be, he'll he'll probably be there today watching the games. Head on out there, and uh, two good games: uh, Chargers and Patriots. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm I don't know that anybody cheers for the Patriots unless you're a diehard Patriots fan. I think everybody I usually mean, cheers for them. I like to you? see uh, excellence, and I like to see like so them going to another Super Bowl, like the dynasty. And and watching Tom Brady and Bill Belichick is something I like watching because I like watching good, yeah. good like good football. Uh, but I wouldn't be upset if either team won today. I mean, they're, I, I, I they're the seek, Chargers. They're so. seeking their eighth straight AFC title game. That's yeah. enough. That's enough. You don't. We don't need to see you anymore. Yeah, you know Give what's interesting young, is new blood. Is I'm uh, I'm on both sides of that with with you guys because yeah. I agree with Fred. I want to see someone else this year, and I agree with Adam that watching excellence. Is cool, but at a certain point, it's it's enough. Yeah. I agree with you, Fred. Well, and that's why, and I'd like to see Rivers because you know all the, from all the way back to when Rivers was drafted. I mean, it, there was a line I can't remember who was on the station a couple of weeks ago, and they said that they were getting ready to draft Philip Rivers, and they called Mike Holmgren, and they said they said Mike, uh, he, he's got a weird way of throwing the ball. You think we should change it? They go, is he making all the throws? Yes. Is he getting the ball to the receivers? Yeah. Yes. Don't touch him. Yeah, pretty cool that his entire career, yeah. it's looked weird. Even oh. when he was at NC State, you're yes. like, that guy's going to be a top pick? I really? know. I know. And you, very rarely. Usually you see guys mess with it. It happens in baseball all the time. Yeah. We're going to mess with this guy's delivery. We liked him in college, but we're going to change everything he does. Well, you know, that's uh, something in the NBA and in basketball, college basketball, people talk about, like, a lot of people uh, used to be you had to fix your shot. Right. If it goes in, it goes in, yeah. you know, and. You know, the, the most notable guy as of late who has dealt with that is Lonzo Ball, right? Like in college, he was making all the shots, so it wasn't a problem that his shot looked funky. Right. But now it's like, uh, your shooting percentages are down. I think he was shooting like, in the last month, he was shooting like 28% from the free throw line, which is, I, I think that's just more of a bad shooter from the problem. The free throw line? Yes. Yeah, you heard me correct. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah that's, that's bad. Uh, but back to today's football game though, I just want to see the Chargers play the Chiefs. Because the first two games in that yeah, series this so year have been fun. And yeah. I want to see that. I don't want to see Brady and Belichick go to Kansas City and get blown out because mm. Mahomes and that Chiefs team is just rolling. I want to see the Chargers go and, and challenge them. And nobody wants to see the Eagles win, do they? No. No, because, because that would set up Saints and Rams 
And that would be a yeah. great game to yeah. see again. Saints Rams is good, and then you've got and then Chiefs and Chargers would be great, and then ultimately uh, either team. And I think I I, I want to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Do you think it's a good thing that they've got both championship games on the same day? Yeah, next week. Uh, yeah, that's Sunday. a fun day. Great. Yeah, that's a great day. It yeah, is. I want. I want all. My, I don't need the two game. The two days. I want all. I want all the day. I want you, one day. You guys are aware we're, we're what uh, one two we're what four games away from having like a a nightmare scenario for the rest of America if we have the L A Rams and the L A Chargers in the Super Bowl. It's I don't. Middle America and the East Coast do not care about Los Angeles. And those are two teams that just moved to Los Angeles. Kind of like are, when the Yankees and the Mets were in the World Series. But yeah. those would be two great. Way. But I would like, that's a good matchup. Though. Yeah, it'd be like, a I good matchup. Match but the, the, the rest of the country, people in Iowa, they don't yeah. care about L.A. Yeah, I was shocked that the, the Rams did what they did yesterday. But, you know, running the ball for 275 yards. Thanks to Mike Golick Jr. for jumping on in. Malika Andrews from ESPN. Eric Edholm, Pro Football Weekly. You'll be hearing these guys all week long. Uh, Chris Black with, um, with Cap and Company and Carmen and Yurko and, and Adam Abdallah will be working on Waddle's World from the moment he leaves here. Yeah, we're, we're around. We're yeah. here. We're here. Yeah. We don't get to go home. Thanks to Eric Ostrowski <laughs> for all of his help as always. Fred Huebner with you. Have fun. The game should be great today. Cap will be back tomorrow. He'll have plen- plenty of stories about Rhode Island. So you can, you can, <laughs> you can look forward to hearing those all and right, much, much yeah, more right. tomorrow right here on ESPN 1000. All right.